This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's good, everybody? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson with you along with the CTO, Michael Remus, for a Thursday afternoon. Lots coming up today on the program. Got some breaking news out of the CFL. And we've got Winnipeg Jets on the ice in Winnipeg. Minicamp opening up today. And the long-awaited return of Weeb's world himself, Ken Weeb, coming up a little later on. And the Blue Jays get it done again. Robbie Ray, now the betting favorite for the Cy Young. Keegan Matheson's going to join us a little later on in the program as well. Uh, shout out to everyone in chat. Great to see you all here. Hit that like button. And uh, I'm sure pretty much everyone's subscribed already. But if you haven't, and you somehow are here checking it out or on the podcast, make sure you pop by and check out the YouTube page and make sure you give it a sub. Um, we want to give a quick shout out to all of our sponsors making this happen every day. Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Canadian Club Whiskey, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, Assiniboia Downs, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, and Cool Bet Canada. Uh, let's get right to it and get Remus in here to uh, start off the program. Remo, how you doing? How about uh, how about quickly last night at Assiniboia Downs? What a great way to end off the live racing season. Great to see you there and a bunch of other folks there. And our good friend Darren Dunn. Yeah, I had a great time at Assiniboia Downs. Great facility, nice gaming lounge upstairs. Big, uh, you know, big space on the main floor to walk around, watch the races. Uh, I did not have any winners yesterday. It was not a good go, but it was fun participating in the pick five. Uh, I know you had a bit of a, I don't want to call it a sweat, but you hit the first two on the pick five. Which, which were pretty much long shots. I mean, yeah. Darren Darren had me pretty excited when he told me what that share was worth. And then unfortunately in the third yeah. race, it didn't happen. But uh, I'll have to check out what that final ticket was, because I think because of the first two races and then the result of the third, there was going to be a big, big money payout. So we'll check out that and let you know what that was uh, at some point overall today. Uh, but anyways, great year at Assiniboia Downs. They're going to be staying open uh, throughout the year, but live racing will return next year. You can still hit up the Terrace Dining Room, uh, great food Fridays and Saturday nights, and the VLT Lounge open each and every day. Uh, but Remus, I do want to get to some NHL news, but we may as well start off with the breaking news in the Canadian Football League of great importance to Winnipeg fans, Edmonton Elks quarterback Trevor Harris put on the six-game IR. The Elks host the Bombers coming up on Saturday night. And if I'm not mistaken, play, what, three times in the next four weeks? Yeah, that's correct, Tess. This is big news. Uh, and I was looking like, who is Edmonton's backup? And it seems like QB News is the story of week seven in the CFL. But yeah, this was a shocker. They put Trevor Harris on. He had a neck injuries on the six game injured list. I looked at. I had to look up their backups because I haven't. I haven't really heard. It was uh, what Taylor Cornelius and Dakota Prukop. Taylor Cornelius, according to Jason Jett, pretty awful XFL numbers. And I think Prukop <laughs> was on the Argos before. So I quick. You know, this is what you do, Hus, when you hear breaking news like that on an important player. I rushed over to Coolbet, and I know they have Bombers minus six, but I've seen some other books have Bombers minus four. And I sprinkled a little on there. And uh, I may have to rethink my fantasy lineups now. I mean, maybe the Bombers defense is even more of a lock with all the uncertainty. And um, I would downgrade the the Elks receivers. And I have James Wilder in, but now I'm rethinking it. So, uh, I mean, this is huge, especially if the Bombers are playing Edmonton three of the next four games, not have their quarterback. Um, I think Bombers looking pretty good here. The next, in, They're in a good spot, real good spot in their division. 
Well, to be honest, and let's not get ahead of ourselves here, but I guess I'm going to do exactly that. Um, you know, if the Elks are not the Elks without Trevor Harris and the Bombers can dominate these three games, um, you're going to basically be talking about a team that at worst would be like eight and two with a big lead in the division. For all intents and purposes, the Bombers could wrap up the Western division in the next month. Um, but again, one game at a time. Focus on the next play, the next series, all, all the cliches. Um, Saturday night, late game, Bombers, Elks, no Trevor Harris. And that's not the only quarterback news in the in the Canadian Football mm. League. Cody Fajardo will start for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So that's good news for the Riders Nation coming off those uh, two depressing losses to the blue and gold. And uh, no Jeremiah Masoli, no Dane Evans Enter David Watford starting for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And uh, I got to give a shout out to Nick Kowalski, who uh, was doing the Nielsen Show draft this morning and just checking Twitter. And he was on that as soon as that was announced. And uh, I went over and quickly checked cool bet. Calgary uh, was plus one. Uh, well, they were plus two and a half point favorites. And the money line, I believe, was plus 132. And then that dropped a little while. I think it's now plus 108, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so although it says plus 147 right now, I'm not sure whether that's right because it seems like it went the other way. Anyways, Calgary, that number is going to probably get closer to a pick I would imagine. And uh, we'll see what happens with this Argos uh, Riders number because, in fact, the Argos were four-point dogs. Then they were three-and-a-half-point dogs. Now they're three-point dogs despite the fact that Cody Fajardo is coming back. I think a big part of that is, though, that uh, some of the big boys on the Toronto defensive line are going to be back in action. Um, should be a great weekend to CFL football. John Hodge will join us tomorrow, and we will set up Bombers Elks. Uh, so, you know, we wanted to get to the big news today. Bombers, of course, finishing up their final practice, uh, presumably do a walkthrough tomorrow, then head out to Edmonton for that late game, uh, the final game of the week. Things get going tomorrow with the doubleheader, Calgary and Hamilton early, Toronto and Saskatchewan late. And then BC Montreal early on Saturday, and the Bombers and Elks without Trevor Harris to wind up the week in the Canadian Football League. All right, let's get to hockey. Um, Jets back on the ice today. Mike McIntyre had an interesting piece in the uh, Winnipeg Free Press that you know we'll get to in a second. But there also is the league gathering in Chicago. Many of the top players putting on the uniforms, getting pictures, doing a bunch of media stuff. I know Frank Cervelli's there. I saw Bucci Gross and some of the other ESPN people there. Um, but Bill Daly was speaking today. And I guess, Remus, the word is that 98 to 99% of NHL players are vaccinated or will be vaccinated which leaves really, I think, to, to Bill Daly's quote, 10 or 15 players in the league right now that haven't got their shots. And, you know, how the league handles those particular players, how problematic it is, will be very interesting to see. Because, of course, here in Canada, um, you know, when the uh, the travel ban for non-vaccinated people comes in, that's going to be a big-time issue for players, um, as well as, you know, American players coming into Canada if they aren't. We're not sure how that works. So, um, you know, it'll be very interesting to see how, uh, if this is a hill that some NHL players will die on. But, um, you know, from a league perspective, the fact that they're at 98 or 99% is uh, quite good news. Just a st uh, still a few stragglers, though, to get up to 100 and start dropping the puck. Yeah, I was shocked at how high that number was, 10 to 15. And I think that's a, a positive for the league. You don't want to have any canceled games, any any incidents. And um, as far as travel, you mentioned you don't want to have a player who can't go to Canada or a player who can't travel within Canada. So that's something we'll, we'll watch. 
and you don't want to have players, you know, missing time due to uh, due to the protocol. So uh, I think that's great news, especially if you're playing fantasy. Yes, I mean we talked about staying away from certain NFL players because you know they would have to miss time if they were a close contact, and a vaccinated player would not. So I think if you're drafting fantasy, oh, uh, you, big you got time. Like you got a season, you, you don't have to worry about anything. Uh, I think so. Just go go ahead. Um, so uh, yeah, that and that was that was great news uh, from from the NHL. I think so. Uh, you know, a couple of things coming out of uh, what that player media tour uh, in Chicago, getting ready, getting ramping up for the season. Huh? Seeing some pictures of players in in jerseys. Uh, well, exactly, and more most importantly, the Winnipeg Jet jerseys out at the uh, Iceplex for the Winnipeg Jets Pro Camp. We'll get a bit of an update uh, from Weber on that. He was out at the rink today. Uh, we'll talk to Ken a little bit later on. Um, so a big story, of course, was the vaccination of players today. We heard that from Bill Daly. Overall, a very good situation for the NHL. I know there are a lot of people that are already, give us the names of the unvaccinated players. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know whether that's going to happen. But to be honest, um, you know, much like we've seen in the National Football League, you don't need to be a brain surgeon to figure it out when guys are going on the COVID list and you know, if you're vaccinated, you can be back after a couple tests in two days and other guys are sitting out 10. So, um, you know, if guys start missing out of the lineup for mysterious reasons when teams come to Canada, we'll probably have a pretty good idea. Uh, but from the National Hockey League perspective, there was an announcement today. The Winter Classic is returning, Remus. And guess who's playing in it? Who? First of, who? All, first of all, it's at the home of the Grey Cup, Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton, so, of course, you know that the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to be involved in it. And their opponent, shockingly, considering what's expected of this team, Buffalo Sabres, come on down. You're getting the Winter Classic primetime game coming up this year. I uh, have to admit, I was somewhat surprised, considering the state of the Sabres franchise, that the National Hockey League would put that squad out in, um, you know, it's such a public spectacle against the Toronto Maple Leafs, even though... It's an, uh, a perfect spot to get Leaf fans and Sabres fans together. And it should be a really great event just as far as a hockey game goes with such a, a, a you know, a big game for the league overall. Kind of surprised to have what we expect to be one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League playing against Toronto. Yeah, Heritage Classic, March 13 at Tim Hortons Field. Uh, it's, it's, you know... It's, Tim Hortons Heritage Classic at Tim Hortons Field. So Tim Hortons really getting their money's worth. I think is that called double double dipping there when you uh host an event at a <laughs> stadium right. named after yourself. In Hamilton, interesting. I'll text some of my friends in Hamilton, see uh, you know, what the buzz is there. I'm sure a lot of Leaf fans in the area pumped Sabres close by. I'm not sure what it means for border. Maybe they could have done like you know, Heritage Classic. I thought it was always two Canadian teams. They could have done like Toronto, Ottawa or something. And will they be having jerseys that we can rip online when they uh, post them and talk about how terrible <laughs> or great they are? Because uh, there are a couple, you know, a lot of people were pounding on the Minnesota uh, Winter Classic jerseys, and I actually kind of like them. So I appear to be in the minority there, which is making me question everything I think about jerseys. <laughs> I was a little, I was a little lukewarm on the wild <laughs> ones, but you know we've seen all sorts of different jerseys. It's a great yeah. little uh, marketing campaign. You, know, you can sell a bunch more merch for the teams, make a bit more money, make something special for the game. Uh, but it's interesting. This is the first Heritage Classic, if I'm not mistaken, that has an American team in it. I mean, yeah, the Heritage Classics exactly. yeah. was always the, you know, was the Canadian teams, and I mean, I get it. It makes too much sense not to have a game, and of course the. The game at the Big House at Michigan between the Leafs and Red Wings 
was the Winter Classic. That's like the New Year's Day game. And then they've, you know, added, of course, the Jets played, uh, you know, here in Winnipeg and then in Regina in Heritage Classics. But yeah, this is the first time we've had a U.S. team coming in and probably good for the Leafs that they're doing that because uh, I have a feeling that the uh, Sabres will be an easier out than any team playing north of the uh, 49th parallel. Yeah, well, I think you know what it is, Huss. I mean, Leafs have had so much playoff disappointment. They just want to set up like a national big game for the Leafs where they can just celebrate a win the whole time. Am I right? Just like, hey, what cupcake game can we give the Leafs here? Because, you know, if it was like Ottawa or Montreal, uh, they'd, they'd wake up for those. But, I mean, we'll see about how the Sabres are. They're projected to be, I think, the bottom of the league. And sure, let's give the Leafs a nice, a nice win on uh, national TV, right? That, that's what we need to do going in. You know, everyone does their predictions. This team is going to win the Stanley Cup. This team is going to, you know, win the divisions. Let's talk about who's going to be the worst team in the National Hockey League because we have some serious contenders. Ar- Buffalo, will Arizona, there. Arizona. I mean, Arizona has to be the betting favorite to be the worst team in the league going into this season. I mean. They have traded away literally everyone. They've taken on some of the worst players and worst contracts in the league to get draft picks. And I don't think there's any expectations that they're going to do anything. Oh, and by the way, they have nowhere to play at the end of this year. Could we just maybe just dissolve the the Coyotes, uh, find a find a new spot for a team and start from scratch? I mean, I kind of like what they're doing, like building for the long term. But like, you also have to play games in 21-22, Huss. And... <laughs> You look at their team, like, they're not going to win any games. Their arena is, they've been battling over this arena for years. I, I just pull the plug already on this team and get them, some, get them somewhere else. Like, they're, how many years has, can they just, like, trade for, you know, contracts of players to take up, uh, you know, take advantage of long-term injured list and do some cap manipulation? Um, I mean, they, I mean, Clayton Keller is a good player, but the top line, Keller, Schmaltz, Kessel, and who's... Their defense, they got Jacob Chitrin, but I mean, not much else after. Who's their goalie now that they traded? They traded Kemper. Um, I don't. Is it Arden Hill? Or did they trade <laughs> I him think too? So. Or did they trade him? <laughs> Aiden Hill? No, I think. Yeah, Aiden not. Hill. Sorry, that's gonna probably be the guy. Uh, sorry, no, no, no. Carter Hutton as on daily face of Carter Hutton and Joseph Coroner. Carter Hutton's like. A serviceable goalie. He's, he's played in the NHL. Yeah, I guess he's okay. I mean, he had, um, well, he, he's had a rough run the last little while. I will say this. Someone's saying it's going to be the Houston Coyotes. It's going to be, I'd love to see them turn into the Kansas City Coyotes personally. Get down there for a Jets game and maybe a Chiefs game the same weekend. How good would that be? But I will say this, Reem. How appropriate would it be that if this is the last year for the Coyotes in the desert? Would anything be more perfect to sum up Coyotes hockey for the last 20 plus years in Arizona than playing in an empty arena with the worst team in the league playing out the stretch before they're kicked out of the building. Yeah, and we'll wait and see uh see what happens. I don't know what's going to go that you know, I don't know if it was posturing. We haven't really heard too much about it, but let's just move on. You know, we've been hearing Gila River Arena or whatever it's called now is not a viable spot. We know all their fans are in Scottsdale, but I mean, if they're trying to bring people out to the arena, they're not going to do it with this roster. But I, as far as rebuilding, I mean, they have so many draft picks in the next couple of years. So yeah, you like to think the future is bright, but I mean, you got to, it seems like they've been playing for the future for like the last forever. 
Shout out to the Glendale City Council for all the entertainment they've given us uh, over the course of the years. Um, Anyways, we probably won't spend much time talking about the Coyotes unless we get back to the topic of who will be the worst team in the league this season. Patrol Band Pete in the chat. Heritage Classic will be the hockey equivalent of those wrestling matches I grew up on. King Kong Bundy versus (laughs) Steve Lombardi. Great reference. <laughs> it's called Great a squash. I think it's squash match. Is that yeah. is that the, the squash wrestling match. term? <laughs> We're sending the, the Leafs for a squash match. <laughs> when they try to like make the Leafs look good, and then the, their playoff odds will, uh, I guess, be more in favor of them winning the cup. Right? <laughs> you got it. Um, I, I'm. Uh, I can't wait to have Weber on though. Um, and it was just so great to see. Jets players out on the ice. Uh, I think whether it was Billick or we firing out a little video of Vili Hainala doing a little wheeling and dealing out on the ice right now. And of course, it's not the full squad right now. It is just the uh, rookies and some of the Jets prospects. Uh, But nevertheless, good to hear. And we did hear from Paul Maurice today, Reem. Um, and, and I haven't heard the entire bit. We'll ask more uh, with Ken as to what the coach had to say. Uh, as well as Cole Perfetti, who spoke today. Uh, but he did mention uh, Nate Beaulieu, who's back to 100% and ready to go. And uh, I think that was certainly expected. I have no idea why some people were like, I don't know, Twitter is full of very irrational people at times. But a lot of people that I like are like, why are we talking about this? Well, they're talking about it probably because he was asked about the health of all players coming in and guys that had off-season surgery that ended it. They weren't asking him if he was going to be in the starting lineup. He was asked, you know, what his health situation is. This is a player that signed to a contract this year. I mean, a very simple question. So uh, if if you're getting bent because Coach Paul Maurice had an update on a player that's on his roster that you may or may not like or hope that's in the lineup, take a chill pill, people. I mean, (laughs) training camp hasn't even started yet. Yeah, I agree. And here, Mitchell Clinton of uh, Jets TV tweeted out this beautiful video of Billy Hainala getting a puck behind the net, passing it to a guy, doing a little pivot, a couple crossovers. So sorry, everyone on the podcast, turn into the YouTube to see this. I watched this over video. and over again. Yeah. So here's this is your Billy Hainala update. And Ken <laughs> tweeted a picture of Cole Perfetti, uh, what he's looking like. I can I can bring that up after, but this is where we're at for Jets News. And yeah, I mean the Nate Bully, I mean he's on the team. He had surgery. They're not saying he's gonna play like top pair minutes. Uh, this season, so he I saw get people. Waved. He could get waved like everyone. Just chill out. And I know Layton's going. There's no way he's in night one, right? If everyone's healthy, no. Uh, you know, Logan Stanley's going to be in. And you know, I think if anything that, and you know, this will be an interesting conversation through training camp. That depending on how they handle the roster, you've got Niku and you've got Bolio on cheap deals. I would imagine one of those two guys, if not both of them, will be extra skaters if everyone's healthy. Um, and I think it's sort of, it looks like we'll see Sandberg and Billy playing a lot in the American Hockey League. And then to be honest, if a spot opens in that top six, I wouldn't be surprised if the guys from the AHL jump the guys that are in the press box. Although sometimes early on in the season, I'll tell you what, if it was late in the season, if they needed a win, I think that's the way they go, but there's lots of hockey to be played. Hell, there's lots of training camp to get going. It hasn't even started yet. So everyone take a chill pill. We'll get ready. We'll talk about it with Ken Weeb a little bit later on. Uh, But there's nobody hotter than the Toronto blue Jays. We're going to get to the Jays in just a second with Keegan Matheson. Do want to uh, give a big thank you to our newest sponsor, Donnie and the gang over at Manitoba battery distributors at 1026 Logan, and 783 8787. 
Do not be that guy that waits for it to be minus 30 and realizes, damn, I need a new battery. And do not be that guy that wastes your time going to one of those big box stores and paying more than you would by getting it delivered from Manitoba Battery right to your house. Best prices in town, the best service in town, and not just for automotive, industrial, farm, power sports, quad, sea sleds. They've got it all. If you need a battery for anything, give the guys at Manitoba Battery a call, and you can find out more on their fall special right now on the maintainer for the winter and maybe a summer ride. It's all there at manitobabattery.com. Uh, we've got a big Thursday nighter tonight, uh, WFT and the Giants. I know a lot of NFL merchandise running out of Royal Sports these days, in addition to Blue Bomber gear and, of course, an incredible selection of Winnipeg Jets gear as we get ready for the upcoming season. If you're looking for licensed merchandise in Winnipeg, there is only one place to go. That's Royal Sports at 750 Pemina Highway. And I think everyone that plays hockey knows full well that Royal is the hockey superstore in the city with millions of dollars in inventory. But this weekend, the return of the tent sale, first time in... In two years, I think they've been able to do it. Everything 50% off, more than 2,000 pairs of shoes. Find out more at the Royal Sports Instagram page at Royal Sports Pembina. Saturday and Sunday, plenty of deals to be had over at Royal Sports. And of course, a big shout out to uh, our friends at Canadian Club, the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And uh, our official spirit here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, grab a CC and Coke, a CC and ginger ale maybe. And of course, at the game, you can get it at any spot at IG Field, the great taste of Canadian club. Bomber game tomorrow. Might have another I Love Rye package to give away again. Congrats to P. Samba, who won that incredible 42-year-old bottle of the Canadian Club Chronicles on last Friday's show. All right, let's talk Blue Jays. It's been a little while since we've had Keegan Matheson on. And in the meantime... The Toronto Blue Jays have gone absolutely nuclear. Let's welcome Keegan in to uh, get the latest on the Blue Jays. What's going on, Keegan? How are you? I'm doing well. How's everything with you? Uh, things are great. And I'll tell you what, from a baseball fan's perspective, it has been a wild, wild couple of weeks for the Toronto Blue Jays. I remember a few weeks back, we were talking about where this team was and sort of thinking that, you know, it would be nice if they could be playing some meaningful games in September, but we're probably just about into next year's season. Wow, has the narrative changed around the team. And to me, it all goes back to, what was it, two Fridays ago with that ridiculous six-run comeback in the eighth inning, giving up two in the top of the ninth, the three-run walk-off for the 11-10 win against Oakland. And since then, this team has been absolutely nuclear. Yeah, this is the run they were always capable of, but we never saw. They always had this lineup that was capable of such an offensive explosion and they really just needed some momentum. You know, we love to measure everything in baseball. We still don't know what to do with momentum, what number we put on that, how we quantify it. But man, oh man, once this train got rolling for the Blue Jays, this is as good as they've looked all year. This is probably as good as they've looked since those playoff runs of 15 and 16. And really, if there's one team you don't want to face right now, regardless of who you are, it's the Blue Jays. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think they're scaring the BGs out of the other teams right now that are in the playoffs that would love nothing more than a little slump and have them finish just shy. But here we are. I mean, after talking with a team that had, I don't know, it was like a 7 or 8% chance of making the playoffs, um, we're now looking at 75 80%. I mean, uh, is, is this team destined for the postseason right now, Keegan? Or what needs to happen during the remaining portion of the schedule for them to finish the job and play in that wild card game? Yeah, they look like they're headed that way. But then again, the Yankees had their big winning streak and then completely fell apart. So we'll see. These things tend to balance themselves out. And 
it's up to the Blue Jays now to keep that going. Now, it almost fell apart there in Baltimore when it looked like they were going to lose both of those games, but those turned into two of their biggest wins of the season and one of their biggest offensive performances we've ever seen. So they are doing everything right right now, and the pitching is what's allowing them to build on top of this. It's been so consistent, so whenever the offense does show up, it's a win. And if the offense doesn't show up, they still have a chance. That's what's allowed them to avoid that setback I think at this point of the season. So they are the team with all of the momentum. They're the team that is playing the best right now. But when you look at this, of course, the Yankees and Red Sox are right there. I don't think the Mariners or A's are going to factor into this too much, but one of these teams between the Red Sox and Yankees is not going to make it. And uh, right now it doesn't look like that'll be the Blue Jays, but a lot can change still two weeks. I guess one of the things that really plays into the Jays' favor is I believe those teams have a bunch of head-to-head games between each other. And, you know, you're guaranteed of having one of those teams losing. So the fact that there's two spots right now, I mean, if the Jays can just simply keep their head above water, never mind continuing at the cl- at the rate that they're on right now, they'll be in very, very good shape. Lots to talk about with the Blue Jays' offense, but let's start with the pitching. Rob, Robbie Ray, I, I, I mean... For the start of the season, we just like to joke about his tight pants. Now we're talking about the betting favorite for the Cy Young. Uh, what did you think about his performance yesterday and, and and over the year, what he's brought to the Toronto starting rotation? Yeah, if it wasn't for Vladdy, this is all we'd be talking about, I think, Robbie Ray. This is one of the best seasons we've ever seen from a Blue Jays pitcher out of non-Roger Clemens division. This is close to as good as it's got for the Blue Jays, and his consistency is what's amazed me. You know, we've always known that Robbie Ray can go out, strike out 11 or 12 guys over seven innings and dominate. He has that ability, but the problem is, in between doing that, he would have starts where he would walk the world and give up four home runs. And that's why he was such a attempting guy, but frustrated through his career. And it's worked for him before. You go back to 2017, but not as consistently as we've seen this year. And He has been such an incredible story. You know, I remember going back to last October, November, this would have been when the Blue Jays and Mark Shapiro, the president, came out and said, one of our main priorities is strike throwing, throwing more strikes as a team. Then they immediately signed Robbie Ray, who just led the world in walks, to which you say, what's going on? But it worked out. One year, $8 million. It looks like the best contract in baseball right now, and he is going to make a boatload more this offseason, maybe in Toronto, maybe somewhere else. It's a exciting opportunity for him to listen to the bidders, certainly, but man, oh man, this is a, as good as it gets for the Blue Jays, and without Robbie Ray, this wildcard race is still not really a discussion we're having. Uh, Keegan Matheson, the Blue Jays writer and reporter for MLB.com with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Keegan, uh, Robbie Ray, I would imagine, he sort of has emerged as the ace of the staff, but there's a number of contenders. How would you rank the pitchers right now? And let's say Robbie Ray had to go in the wild card game and wasn't available for a series, assuming that they win. How do you think that uh, Charlie Montoya would uh, would stack up the pitchers going forward? Way different conversation than we would have had in, let's say, March and April. Back then it was Hunjin Ryu and who else is going to fill in behind him? And that's not the case at all anymore. Right now, of course, Robbie Ray is is your ace. If you're the Blue Jays, no question about it. I think Jose Barrios with the consistency he has shown in his career. And now that he's back on track lately, as long as he's healthy, there's nothing going on with that side. He's someone I would like in as that number two with Alec Manoa right there as that's called a two B a number three and Steven Matz and Hunjin Ryu. I think Ryu, you trust that track record as long as he's healthy and feeling good. You still trust that in there. And frankly, Steven Matz, if the Blue Jays get really deep in a postseason and 
need him. He's been great this season. As a number five starter, number four or five, you love what you've gotten from Steven Max, but it'll be interesting to see what they do in those early games. If there is a wild card situation, even options like having Manoa come out of the pen if you really need him for multiple innings. When you have a guy who throws that hard, who can really rip off the fastball and slider, that's why Robbie Ray would be really fun as that starter coming back on short rest. I think the Blue Jays have a lot of options there. You know, it's been funny because they've been just crushing teams and, you know, outscoring NFL teams. So, I mean, the defense and the bullpen hasn't really been much of an issue during this stretch. But uh, where's the bullpen at? Merriweather's back. Um, Like, how? where's the confidence level right now on the guys beyond that starting rotation, which is performing better than they have in a long, long time? I think Jordan Romano, you feel great about in the ninth inning. Tim Mesa, you feel pretty good about in the eighth inning. He's been a fantastic story. I mean... Six months ago, he was competing with Francisco Liriano for a roster spot. Uh, that feels like a decade ago at this point. He's been great. Now, otherwise, where do you go if you're the Blue Jays? Now, deep in the playoffs, teams have bullpens that go three, four, five deep of really dominant guys, shortening the game. And that's really been the in-fashion way to do it these last six, seven years. And the Blue Jays don't quite have that depth. Now, they would love if Julian Merriweather got back to who he was to start the season. They would love if Nate Pearson would figure it out and look like he did last year in that wild card series in Tampa. Two perfect innings with five strikeouts, but you need to see it. You know, at this point of the year, hope doesn't matter. Uh, Prospect status does not matter. Potential does not matter. It doesn't matter what your name is. If you can get the outs, that's all it is. And uh, someone like Pearson is a great example of that, I think. The ability is so completely there but the Blue Jays need to see that consistently. If he does show that problem solved, same with Merriweather, but again, you need to see that over four or five outings down the stretch here. And that is still a a bit of a a weakness. If we really want to nitpick at this Blue Jays team right now, that back end of the bullpen, Romano and Meza, you feel good about, but you'd love to have another and, and back there. (laughs) Uh, Keegan, let's move over to the uh, bats. Um, I guess we have to start with Vladdy. I mean, 45 home runs in the running for a potential triple crown. Um, but the last time we spoke, he was in a bit of a rut. I mean, August was not a good month for Vlad Guerrero Jr. What's turned around for him other than everything? Yeah, he's really found that second win, which impresses me because Vladdy over the last year in 2019 as well, just said that he ran out of gas and he did. You saw it. And when a hitter runs out of gas late down the stretch, it's not all that noticeable at the plate but it really presents a bit of a domino effect. If they start to slouch a bit, if their arms aren't as high, everything drops just an inch or two, and that's when you see Vladdy beating the ball into the ground. He's not going to beat out ground balls. That's fine. But when he's hitting them, he's not successful. And when he is tired, he hits ground balls. So Vladdy getting back his energy, I think, has been a big part of this. And I think he represents what a lot of these young players have gone through. And Marcus Semyon talked about this, which really interested me, and and Charlie Montoya as well. For young players, learning how to be at their best when they don't feel all that great. And in mid-September, nobody feels good. I mean, I don't feel good, and I'm not even playing. I'm in an air-conditioned press box following this team around. It's a long season. And not just the games, but the travel for these guys, the hotels, everything else, it builds up on them. So for someone like Vladdy, learning when to say, you know what, I'm not going to take batting practice and a million ground balls today. And it's okay. You don't look lazy. You look smart. And that can be a challenge for young guys coming up because you want to look like you're outworking everybody, working harder than, doing more than everybody. 
But now that you have your feet under you, a lot of these guys realize, okay, I can breathe and take care of my body, even if that means doing less for a day or two. Um, yeah, it's funny. I just thought of this as you mentioned that. Um, in your opinion, how big of a boost has it been to the Blue Jays to actually return home? Major for a lot of these guys. And it's uh, not even so much as looking at the ballpark or those factors, but stuff that you can't really quantify. I mean, just waking up in your own condo, making your own breakfast, taking a T-shirt out of a closet instead of a suitcase. It's another thing that's hard to measure, but man, oh man, the life on the road for these guys. I know that's normal for a lot of ball players, and these guys aren't exactly from downtown Toronto. So when they're in Toronto, that's still kind of being on the road for them. But a sense of normalcy and the ability to be settled in and unpack, I think, especially for guys with families who have been on the road or juggling people coming along with them. It's just one variable, huge variable as well that allows these guys just to focus in on the game and what's at hand. And at this point, you don't have the mental energy to focus on other things. So as long as you're just focusing on the game, I think that's where the Blue Jays want to be. Um, Back to the bats for a minute. I mean, the the season that Marcus Simeon is having, um, again, much like Robbie Ray, perfect timing going into unrestricted free agency. Um, You know, we talk a lot about Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And of course, George Springer, the huge offseason signing, which we'll get to in a second. But in your opinion, if you take away Vlad and the numbers that he's put up, where does Simeon rank in the most important cogs in this Blue Jays team that's uh, pushed them to where they are right now in the standings? Yeah, Simeon might be the number three, number four finisher in MVP voting this year in in the American League. I I think he actually might get some very serious consideration for that Gold Glove Award at, at second base as well, which is really amazing. I mean, Simeon at a time was a bad defensive shortstop. In Oakland, a lot of errors made himself into a good defensive shortstop, which is always admirable. A guy who develops through their mid-late 20s, it's it's something for younger players to look to. And then came here, switched positions, and has been great at second base. Um, What he has brought the Blue Jays in the clubhouse, what he has given their lineup, especially think early in the year when Springer was out and Semyon was the leadoff guy, without that performance... Man, oh man, if Semyon and Ray are probably one, two, the best free agent contract signed this entire past offseason, both with the Blue Jays. And like you said, they're, both of their agents are very, very happy. They are having the best years of their lives this year. What, um, I, I mean, I, I'm sure you guys have talked about it in the press box. I mean, it's an interesting topic. Um, how difficult is it going to be to get these guys to stay in Toronto? Or more importantly, maybe not how difficult, how much? I mean, th- these are going to be two massive contracts, and I imagine with some significant term. Yeah, not easy. And, and I, I definitely understand from a fan perspective, a lot of people look at this really in any sport and say, well, the, the relationship is going to keep them here. Uh, maybe. But I, I would urge people to consider you know, in your own job how nice it would be to have 30 companies bidding on you. When you were at the top of your market, we would all love that. And if you are Robbie Ray or Marcus Semyon, I think it's pretty tempting to go onto that open market as the best player at your position and hear everyone tell you how good you are and how much money they want to pay you. You know, they are rightfully going to demand a lot of money, a lot of term, because they are coming off of just fantastic seasons at the best possible time, which is not easy to do. So this is something they've earned and credit to them for doing that at this time. But it's, uh, I think the, the relationship with Toronto, I don't want to wipe that out completely. It does matter. It definitely does. But uh, maybe not as much as uh, some people would hope so, you know, coming from a, a Blue Jays perspective. So 
be very interesting. And I, I think the conversation will need to be which one's the top priority. And also, if you miss on a Marcus Semyon or if you miss on a Robbie Ray, who replaces them? I think you still have to stop at the top of that market. And thankfully for the Blue Jays, they still need to use it, but there's going to be a ton of payroll flexibility available. Um, you know, it's interesting you bring that up. Who is the priority? I mean, uh, if you're in that office, I mean, where, who are you starting with? Who gets the first call? It's tough. I, I think that when you look at Robbie Ray and, and, and Semyon as well, you're trying to project where they'll be in year four or five of a deal. But having Robbie Ray in this rotation with Ryu, with Barrios, Manoa, and what you can build behind that, I think is so appealing for this Blue Jays team right now, especially when you look at what type of pitching is coming up through the system. The Blue Jays do have some infield talent coming. It's not going to be Marcus Semyon caliber right away, but looking at the alternatives, I I do think I might lean a bit Robbie Ray, but that is still 49% Marcus Semyon. I mean, in a perfect world, the Blue Jays are going very hard at at both of these guys. I'd say, you know, one interesting kind of intangible in all of this, because I think we know these guys are going to get truckloads of money thrown at them, regardless of what plays out. But from... uh, from a Toronto perspective and having these guys really invested in wanting to stay here, the best thing that they could possibly do is uh, make the playoffs and go on a nice run on the way to uh, hopefully trying to win that world series. That would help. You know, we have seen what Toronto turns into, whether it's the blue Jays or the Raptors making a deep playoff run. It's not only becomes a sports story, but it becomes the cool place to be. You know, the, the city really starts to orbit around those teams when it happens. And, and we'll see if capacity is increased by then. Um, I'm not sure what the provincial restrictions will be, but even with 15,000 in the park, it has been loud. It's been a much better experience for these guys than than Buffalo and certainly than Dunedin, way better than Dunedin. But um, I, I think being part of that success has to help. If you're trying to play the relationship card and really building through that in negotiations, that has to help. And these guys will also recognize, look around this roster, with Vladdy, with Bo, Teoscar Hernandez, some of the pitching talent this team has, they are built to make playoff runs for the next several years, not just this year. This is not a veteran roster that you're about to blow up. It should only be getting better. Keegan Matheson of MLB.com with us. I wanted to ask you about George Springer. Um, He was out for a good portion of the season, and you really saw his absence, um, both at the plate but also in the field, defensively, the leadership that he brings – um, it, it sort of hasn't been smooth coming back. He's been in, he's been out, he's back. Where's Springer at health-wise? And if they're feeling pretty good about their spot going forward, I mean, will they treat Springer with kid gloves once they know that they're in the playoffs if they get to that point? Yeah, this is something we're really not used to seeing in baseball. You know, maybe you see this in, in, in football more often, in hockey certainly, but a guy who's just straight up gutting it out and who is clearly not comfortable at all. Because in baseball, we are used to seeing the moment a guy holds something or pulls at something, he's out. He's gone. He's on the IL. You have a million games a season, let him rest. But Springer, certainly on that road trip at points, looked pretty bad. You know, not comfortable enough to be in games. Now, more recently, he has looked more like himself on the bases with his ability to run. And having that bad in the lineup whenever possible, Springer was just so talented, so athletically gifted. And I think the way that they're managing him right now is the right way. Using that DH spot, uh, I don't think the outfield conversation is close anytime soon. But if the Blue Jays have, let's say, a three, four-game pad down the stretch, 
Ideally, you can get him a little bit more rest, but it's probably going to stay too close for that to happen. So as long as you can keep him at DH, I think that's a success. If you get him into the outfield at any point, that's above and beyond. But just avoiding another setback and too much pain in that knee, I think at this point, needs to be the priority. You know, C-Mac in the chat asking about the luxury tax and the, the impact of a couple massive races. I mean, say they did open up the, the vault and keep Ray and keep Semyon. I mean, what does that do to the Jays' payroll going forward? Or is there some other guys coming off? I mean, could, could they manage that? Uh, or is it just a matter of Rogers saying that, hey, we need these guys and we're going to cut the check? I still think there there is room for both of those guys next year. Now, what you do beyond that, we'll see. But there are a lot of contracts coming off of the books next year, even some more minor ones that a lot of folks might have forgotten about with guys like a, a sorry, a, a Kirby Yates, for example. A, a lot of relievers coming off the books, some veterans coming off. And really beyond Hunjin Ryu, George Springer, and the couple years left of Randall Gritchick, there's not a lot left. I think even Troy Tulowitzki is getting some money this year from the Blue Jays. A lot of those come to an end. And thankfully for the Jays, they don't have any terrible, terrible contracts weighing them down anymore. So I think even if you are looking at a Semyon and a Ray, there needs to be money available beyond that. Certainly the Blue Jays will need to be addressing that bullpen in a more direct way, probably just spending money instead of trying to find the right guys. Go out and shop at the top of the market. And starting pitching will continue to be a priority. But even with both of those guys, I think the payroll flexibility here needs to be big because the beauty of Vladdy, Bo, et cetera, et cetera, they're still cheap. Keegan, uh, speaking of Vladdy, uh, well, what's he going to cost to sign? <laughs> like, <laughs> that, like when, when, that, when that deal comes up, I mean, could we be looking at a record-breaking contract in the major leagues? It'll be interesting with Vladdy because as a first baseman, we'll see where that goes. And I think if you're the Blue Jays, I mean, as a, you know, I hear this from a lot of Blue Jays fans, lock him up, give him the Tatis deal. Ah, Maybe. But if you're the Blue Jays, I think you really start to get more comfortable with this. Maybe at some point next season, Uh, we heard so much talk about the Blue Jays wanting him to improve his routines. And that was a vague word that nobody liked. Neither did I, because I like to understand what people mean when they talk. But what that means in hindsight is that they don't just want him to lose weight one offseason and get more flexible. They want it to be something that happens year after year after year, not just big swings back and forth. So with a young man like Vladdy, you're not just betting on the talent. You are betting on their body and how they will age physically over 10, 12 years. With these mega deals, that's a, a real part of this, kind of the sports science that goes into it. And Again, that's not a lot of data that we have access to or even understand as much as as baseball metrics, but you're projecting how a guy will be physically at age 32, 34, when decline is usually well underway in baseball. So that'll be a big part of it. But if Guerrero can keep this going into next year, then you start to look at this and say, okay, this is who he is now. This isn't just a one-year big swing. In any normal year, we'd be talking about Vladdy Guerrero being an absolute shoe-in for the MVP, Keegan. But every other year doesn't have Shohei Otani doing what he's done. It's almost unprecedented, at least since Babe Ruth. How Has Vladdy closed the gap? Is he a solid second? Or are we going to be hearing some legitimate conversations about could potentially Vlad Guerrero's season outshine what Shohei has done for the Angels? Well, I think he is a rock-solid second right now. Now, if he makes a run at that triple crown, and if Shohei Otani continues to struggle a bit down the stretch, 
We'll see how much he's pitching down the stretch. His bat also has not been that great. We could be in a situation, and I would love to see this, where you are putting a triple crown winner against a guy who has done something we've never seen. And I know you can go back to the Babe Ruth comparisons, but Babe Ruth was not throwing 99. This is something that we have not seen in the sport versus a triple crown, which is one of the greatest achievements in the sport. Miguel Cabrera did it a decade back. Prior to that, it was, I think, roughly 40 years since we had seen that. That would be a a situation where I wish we could award a co-MVP to both of them. But right now, I I would still have Otani ahead of Vladdy, just given the rarity and, and how incredible it is what he's done. But Vladdy is inching up. You know, with each of these days passing, I think the RBI race might be the tough one for him in the Triple Crown, but he's making it interesting. (laughs) He is. One more for you, Keegan. It's so great to have you on the program. People around here, I mean, we hear it all the time. We're normally talking Jets and Bombers, but, I mean, there is so much excitement about the Jays, and this is pretty far away from Toronto. What's the buzz like in T.O. right now, uh, now that some fans are able to come back to the building and uh, obviously watch this team, which has been on an absolute tear and is really the talk in the major leagues. Yeah, it's starting to pick up. You see it. Even out around the city, the amount of Jays gear you see, it's the same when the Raptors are on a run. You see all the gear around. And these teams, it's uh, you know, you'd love to have full capacity because games like this become really a social destination. It's the cool spot to be. And I- I'm the last one to be an authority on what's cool and not cool. But uh, when the Jays are on a run, they are certainly something that uh, qualifies as that. And picking up, you see the TV numbers are just through the absolute roof right now. The interest, and it, it really shows the national market the Blue Jays have. And that's something that it's even difficult for me to wrap my head around, you know, to, to be covering a team where the market is just one city, like the other 29 markets. You know, here in Toronto, it is a, a national team. When I'm home on the East Coast, I see the same gear and get the same questions right out to BC and Winnipeg, everywhere else. It's uh, an amazing market when it really gets going behind a winner. Well, uh, I think the country is uh, very much excited. And, uh, man, if they could make it into that wild card game and get into the playoffs, I'm you know, legitimately excited for what this team wants to what can do. Because the way they're playing right now, Keegan, I don't think there is a team in the major leagues that would feel very confident going up against the Toronto Blue Jays at the clip they're running at. Yeah, not at all. This is the last team you want to face. And seeing what they've done offensively, seeing their rotation, which is really a surprising, underrated strength of theirs, but it's getting a lot of buzz across baseball. When you win 16 of 18 or whatever it's been, everyone hears about it. Everyone finds out, even if you are the Canadian team, and it does not matter if you're the best team in baseball right now. You want nothing at all to do with the Blue Jays. Keegan, thanks so much for doing this. Always love chatting with you, and uh, especially appreciate it doing on a, a very rare day off from the ballpark. So uh, go enjoy uh, the rest of the day. Thanks for doing this, and uh, hopefully we can be uh, talking with you about some playoff baseball in a few weeks. Definitely. We'll do it again. Take care, guys. <laughs> right on. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Keegan Matheson, and you can check out all of his work at MLB.com. Just an awesome, awesome conversation on the Red Hot Blue Jays with Keegan. Uh, we're going to be talking Jets in a few minutes. Ken Weeb returns to Winnipeg Sports Talk. Looking forward to having Weber on. Uh, in the meantime, want to give a big thanks to the Nick and Nikki DQ group for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk since day one. Um, you know what all the uh, four locations, DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and the DQ on St. Anne's, um, all part of the Nick and Nikki group. And you can go there for those amazing blizzards. They got the Kit Kat. They got the Girl Guide cookie, I believe. Drumstick, my personal favorite. Some great burgers, chicken too. And of course, 
the spot to go if you're planning a party. Uh, hit him up on Instagram, at DQ Manitoba. Let him know what you want. He'll get it ready for you, a customized cake, and you can pick it up quick and easy at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs here in Winnipeg and in Southern Manitoba. Uh, and of course, our friends at Not Auto Corp are very pleased to announce the opening of the Winnipeg Car Lab. It's all there right there with Not Auto Corp at the uh, compound at Waverly and McGilvery. Uh, they'll be doing wraps, uh, special paint jobs, rims. Uh, if you're looking to trick out a ride, the Car Lab is where you want to go. You can find out more on Instagram or any of the socials at Winnipeg Car Lab. And meanwhile, if you're looking for a new vehicle, why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? See them in person or check them out online at not.ca. And uh, the weekend is here. We've got Thursday night football tonight, CFL doubleheader tomorrow, bomber game on Saturday, full slate of NFL games on the weekend. And no better place to uh, set up shop with your crew than the lounge at Boston Pizza. Those great wings, the pizzas. Uh, still got those great summer cocktails available as well. And always has the big game on with big sound as well. Big thanks to Boston Pizza. Always you can order online as well if you can't make it out at bostonpizza.com. Uh, let's get Remus in here for a second before we get to Ken Weave. Uh, what an awesome convo. I mean, I've been pretty excited about the Blue Jays and, you know, I'm a Royals fan, but I think we all know that, you know, it, it, it's hard not to get into what the Jays are doing. And on top of it all, Remus, not only are they um, playing as well as any team in the major leagues, um, you, you got to check your pulse if you don't enjoy watching this team and all the fun that they're having. I have to say the jacket um, it might be the best home run celebration for a team we've seen in a long time. I'm in for the home run jacket. I was like, we need that on my uh, slow pitch team. I've never seen that before. Put the jacket <laughs> on. It's almost like uh, Happy Gilmore with the uh, the gold jacket. Remember remember that? Uh, but yeah, the Jays are exciting. People are pumped about them. The TV ratings have been through the roof, I think, over a million uh, recently. And I think it's going get to get bigger as we get closer to the playoffs and the games become more meaningful. So you know they're a great team, great lineup, but I think what's shocking here is the pitching. When you have yeah. Robbie Ray, uh, Ryu, and Jose Barrios as well. And Manoa. Manoa. And then, um, you know, Steven Matz can contribute as well. Uh, I know Ross Stripling is hurt, but they do have a number of uh, quality arms, including some elite, you know, Cy Young caliber arms. As Well, you know, these guys can hit too. So uh, we're tuning in every day. It is, I don't want to say it's like a reality show, but I mean, you're kind of following and you're like, okay, did they win? Uh, how are they doing? So um, great to, you know, catch up with Keegan. And I do have that other story. It's like, okay, now after this season, well, what's Robbie Ray and Simeon? Everyone's talking, well, okay, well, how much money are these guys going to get? And if they go in the playoffs and, and pop off even more, um, I mean, yeah, they're going to be having a big contract. And as well, you talk with him about like, what's Vladdy's next contract going to be? If he becomes a triple crown, is he going to get the... You know, four hundred million deal, five hundred. Uh, the the money in baseball is just obscene, and but I think you know you hear guys making like you know starting pitchers making oh twenty million. Yeah, what a what a great con. You know, that's a value contract. <laughs> well, I there I think he gets right. I mean, I know it sounds crazy, eight million being a value deal, but what Robbie Ray's done this year for the Blue Jays. I mean, he might win the Cy Young. I was talking to Dusty today. I haven't checked it myself, but I think he's the betting favorite for the Cy Young right now. And who would have thunk that at the beginning of the season or even really a few months ago? 
well, I, you know, I'll definitely have to touch on that with Weaver because I know he's a big ball, baseball guy. And we also will talk about the beginning of Winnipeg Jets camp. Let's welcome him back. The return of Weeb's world after an extended run on the Manitoba golf tour of 2021. Ken, what's going on? I, I saw you're back at Falcon yesterday. Are you still squeezing out a little bit more of the golf tour for the for the summer now fall? Yeah, hustles. Uh, you know, when you get lemons, you got to make the lemonade until the camp gets rolling here. So I uh, might be able to sneak a couple in here, but the, the tour is definitely winding down. But uh, an excellent summer on the uh, Manitoba Golf Tour. So many great tracks in such great shape. The superintendents and staff all around Manitoba have done just a fantastic job. Despite some of the uh, drought weather challenges we've had, there's so many courses in excellent shape and been fortunate to play uh, many of them this summer. Did you uh, did you play any courses this summer that you'd never played before? Yeah, I played almost like seven or eight uh, new ones included this last week. I played Southside for the first time. Uh, as you know, I, I do enjoy the odd par three. So uh, the ten the ten par threes at Southside. Work on that were, shot gate. Work on that short game, Ken. Yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, tons of tons of great tracks all around the province. Uh, I, I'd never played Portage. I'd heard all about Portage. Uh, Golf and Country Club. That was the first time that I'd played it this summer. Uh, Oakwood was a was a new one for me. Netley Creek. Uh, yeah, a bunch of them. Yeah, have you, have we're you done so, Oak Island? Oak Island, I have played before, but I haven't got there. I actually I was supposed to play it yesterday, but uh, I had to get to Falcon instead for the uh, George Sigurdsson Invitational yesterday. Oh, House. so nice, uh, I was, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is that is wonderful. Uh, okay, one more non hockey question mm-hmm. before we get to the Jets. We just had Keegan Matheson on. Uh, I couldn't have you on without talking about what the heck this Blue Jays team has done over the last couple of weeks. I mean, absolutely nuclear right now. Yeah, and I was so fortunate, Huss. Uh, I was in Ontario a couple weeks back for the previous homestand, and I did... Uh, was able to see Robbie Ray uh, pitch on the uh, Sunday afternoon against Oakland. Uh, uh, really solid performance. He's been so good for the Blue Jays. And I mean, Vladdy Jr., so fun to watch. Uh, I was not at the epic comeback on Friday night, but uh, was able to see one game of that Orioles series on the Wednesday, uh, the finale there, and saw Saturday uh, Brios with a gem on Saturday and then Robbie Ray gem on Sunday. And man, it, it's so wild. Like, Marcus Simeon is having like the quietest, like third place MVP type of season that we're ever going to see in the history of baseball, Huss. And this is no knock on Shohei Otani. Uh, He's having a great season. Uh, He is a unicorn, all of the above. But how come in hockey, we value the fact that if Connor McDavid doesn't get the Oilers to the playoffs, who cares? He can't win the MVP. But with Otani on a kind of middle-of-the-road team with the Angels, uh, how come he is being weighted so much heavily compared to Vladdy Jr., who looks like he's going to propel the Blue Jays into the playoffs? So, to me, and this is not this is not me talking with my Jays fan hat on, Hus. This is my uh, my unbiased media well, opinion. Always, I mean, this is a great question. I've always thought that. I mean, is it an individual award or is it a team award? Right. I mean, but if so, okay. The, 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 the premise is always, if you take that player off the team, how good is the team? So I, I get it. If you take Otani off the angels, well, yes, they stink more. <laughs> they're still, they're still a team that's not in the playoffs. So uh, if you take Vladdy off the blue Jays, they're not a playoff team. So to me, that should help. That should have hold some value in this discussion. And I'm not taking anything away from Otani. He's having a brilliant season and a, two-way player. I mean, come on, you got to love what he's done. But 
Uh, I mean, I'm sure you talked about it with Keegan. If you look at the peripherals for Vladdy, the underlying numbers are even more impressive than just the raw statistical numbers being, you know, potentially, I think, what would it be? I think like the second player since 45 to potentially win the triple crown on a playoff team, right? I mean, this is this is incredible stuff that you're seeing uh, on the baseball diamond. And the fact that Vladdy basically went ice cold for a month and is still hitting 320, I know, I know. 320 <laughs> and he could have hit 50 bombs and have, you know, he's going to have over a hundred RBIs. So uh, it's been a fun team to watch and Hus. It's really interesting. I mean, I'll try to go with the segue here. Uh, the thing that really stands out, both watching on television and in person, uh, fortunate to have really great seats at the Rogers Center for the games, and the, their ability to cheer for one another. Like, this isn't a, you know, in a season like what we're talking about, where Vladi is just putting up these, you know, ridiculous uh, computer type of numbers. Um, sometimes maybe people aren't super pumped for him, but. Vladdy's the guy that wants to be giving you the jacket. Like he's the first, you know, somebody scores from first on a double in the gap. Vladdy's been sitting, you know, with his hands curled on the top step of the dugout. He's jumping up. He's high-fiving people. He's giving bear hugs to Alejandro Kirk. Uh, I I just love that about this Blue Jays team. They're the most fun team in sports. They really are. And and like Guriel, right? I mean, the porcupine haircut. Like, here's a guy (laughs) who's just gone. He's a a live human (laughs) chia pet. Just absolutely scalding hot. Like, four salamis in one season. Are you kidding me? Four in one season. Most guys would like to get one in their career. This guy's had four in one season. So, and, and it's crazy. A month ago or six months ago, Guriel was the guy the Jays were going to trade for a pitcher because of the value on his contract. And then they had this glut of outfielders. Now he's a guy that in a normal year, you know, would be in the MVP team MVP conversation. You got Randall Grichik, who again, understandably went ice cold for a month. 20 jacks, more than 80 ribbies, like hitting eighth in the lineup. I mean, it's uh, it's just a crazy team to watch. But the thing I love about them is, is this team togetherness. And that's something that Paul Maurice touched on today uh, after the first session of this pro mini camp when I asked him about the Nate Schmidt effect. You and I have discussed this, yeah, but absolutely. I was very curious for Paul Maurice's thoughts. And you could just see the way his face lit up when he talked about him and you know he didn't un- reveal the source but guess what his best friend used to coach Nate Schmidt <laughs> so when he says another coach of his says he's the best culture carrier he's ever seen in the game it wasn't hard to connect the dots but that's a pretty glowing endorsement on a player who was brought in by the Winnipeg Jets to help bring the joy level back to a certain degree. And again, you and I have spoken about this, but I think that's a major addition, not only for what he can do on the ice, but for what this team is going to be like on a day-to-day basis, especially in a year, Huss, where you're going from the 56-game condensed schedule to the grueling nine-month schedule of an 82-game season with six preseason games. And if the Jets do what they want to accomplish, they're going to be playing potentially into June. So don't discount the cre- the value of the joy level being high on a lot of those days that could be monotonous. I mean, we're talking about baseball, you know, dog days of summer. 
Well, there are the similar sorts of days in January, February, and Nate Schmidt's going to help this team kind of push through some of those moments where maybe the joy level may not be quite as high as you need it to be in order to sustain success at the National Hockey League level. A hundred percent. And we've been talking about this ever since this, uh, ever since the trade in that, you know, Schmidt brings a lot to the Jet Blue line. And first and foremost, he's got to go there and get the job done. He'll be playing more than 20 minutes a night in a top four role. Uh, but he does bring something that I think a lot of people would agree the Jets were lacking a little bit. And, um, you know, if you want to have like winning is super fun, but you don't win every game. And, you know, when things are tough, especially when you've got the the unique cast of characters that are in that Jet dressing room, uh, I certainly think that that'll be a positive thing. Uh, you know, listen, before we even get to like what you saw on the ice and some of the guys were out there, let's get to more from the coach because uh, it was the first time Rebus and I were joking yesterday, you know, it was sort of a slow day about to go like, <laughs> I'd do anything just for a Maurice press conference today. So uh, outside of that, I know we talked about Nate Bolio's health. I mean, uh, he spoke for a while. What uh, what were some of the topics that uh, Maurice touched on in the first visit with uh, the Winnipeg media? Yeah, Austin, I think the big thing that stood out from the uh, 23 minutes and change from Paul Maurice was the... Uh, the hint at the stylistic changes that are to come for the Winnipeg Jets. And we've talked about this a lot as well with that revamped blue line and with the play, you know, guys like Nate Schmidt and Brendan Dillon, they will add some size, but they also have that, you know, skating ability, puck moving ability that will allow the Jets to be a lot more aggressive in, in terms of their style of play. So, Palmer's touched on it. Uh, this isn't the green light go for the uh, you know the forwards to totally abandon the defensive commitment that they've had to have the last couple of years, where the defense uh, core was a little bit thinner, if you will. But they'll be able to be more aggressive, and I think you'll see more pinching from the Winnipeg Jets because you have those forwards that are now a little bit more you know conscientious of uh, you know the two hundred foot game that is required. I think their neutral zone will look a lot different, and their defensive zone coverage will be a lot different as well. Huss, I think they'll be a lot more aggressive in zone as well so that is what really stood out to me from you know the Paul Maurice comment and again you also heard him too look at how he you know one of the biggest questions of the offseason can Eric Comrie handle the backup job he was asked about that by Mike McIntyre I mean Paul Maurice was pretty resolute in his confidence in Eric Comrie not just the person but in Wade Flaherty saying this is a guy who has earned the opportunity to have the, you know, have a chance at showing he can do the job and he will be given that chance. I mean, how long will the, you know, how long will the chain be given? We'll, we'll see, but uh, this is a guy who's going to get the opportunity. We know that Connor Hellebuck, you know, provided all goes well for him will be in that 60 to 65 game range once again, but Eric Comrie is going to have to give the jets somewhere in that neighborhood of 20, 20 games. And that, that is what is going to be required and he's going to need to win at least 12 of those games in order for the Jets to, you know, command, remain competitive in the central division. So I think that's obviously one of the storylines we'll be looking forward to throughout the exhibition season. Paul Maurice touched on those battles on the periphery. It's not necessarily a bottom six role that's open, but I think you could say, you know, pretty confidently that, you know, the final three to five forward positions on this team are, uh, you know, I would say it's a bit of an open competition. I think Riley Nash, you can mark him down in pen, whether he's on, you know, potentially filling a Mason Appleton role on the third line with with Adam Lowry and Andrew Kopp, or if he's the fourth line center or the fourth line right winger. Well, he's on the team. So that leaves guys that we were on the ice today, the Christian Veselinans, David Gustafson, Evgeny Svechnikov, first look at him, uh, you know, 
some of the new guys, Austin Pognansky, uh, Luke Johnson, guys like that. Who's going to work themselves into the mix? Dominic Toninato was a hero in the playoffs. Is he going to be on the team or is he a depth guy with the moose? I mean, there are still some pretty big question marks in terms of that forward grouping. And the one thing that stood out, Huss, I mean, it was mostly, you know, puck touches today and, you know, small area plays or, you know, the forwards were separate from the defense. And, you know, so you don't get a real great gauge of, you know, who's, you know, Know, blowing who out of the water but it was a lot of interest you know the one thing that stood two things really stood out the forward groups Huss, there's a lot of size even a guy like Svechnikov big strong guy that can skate Veselainen you know Cole Perfetti uh, you got guys who have a certain level of polish even though they're young players I mean Perfetti is a guy who looks like a polished uh, player uh, even though he only has those 32 games, I think, of pro experience. So uh, super interesting there. I mean, Veselainen really shooting it well. Gustafson, you know, see a guy like Jeff Malott, who I watched a couple times at the Moose last year. Those guys are on the ice kind of getting their bearings. And when it came to the defense, I mean, obviously this is a group that is super interesting as well because they have all this skating ability and skill on the backside when it comes to their prospect pool. You have Billy Hainala, you have a Declan Chisholm, who is an incredibly mobile individual. First glimpse at a Simon Lundmark, a guy who has played a couple of years pro already, even though this is his first chance over here uh, in North America. I thought he, you know, there's a certain level of poise that it, you know, even just, Again, you don't want to over-exaggerate because it's only drills. But for a lot of these guys, it's the substitution of what a development camp would have been. It's a little bit, you know, get get used to the verbiage. But it, you know, just getting comfortable because, you know, a week from now, now some of these guys are going to be battling for jobs. There's not a ton of jobs open, right? We know this. I mean, Jansen Harkins is also probably a guy that you can mark down in pen also. But Paul Maurice talked about the possibility of Harkins being the fourth-line center. I mean, for me, I think Gustafson is the fourth line center, unless potentially he's moved into an Andrew Kopp role with Kopp and Lowry. I mean, I think I could see. I think Gustafson could be because he's so smart. He has that big physical uh, frame, even though he's a pretty young. He's still a young guy. Uh, he has that big strong frame, but. I think Gustafson is going to be the fourth line center, but I do see the potential for down the road. You could potentially have him in that role. But I think right now the Jets are leaning towards a Veselainen or Svechnikov on that right wing so that you have a little bit more of a natural finisher uh, and a shooter with those two guys that are, have been so good in terms of the offensive zone time and chance creation. I mean, Sveshnikov is a guy who has really soft hands and tight hustle. You saw that on some of the small area plays today. He can really, he's got a heavy, heavy shot. Um, so to me, I, I think that I'm not going to say it's a two horse race, but those two guys would be the front runners. If they're going with a skilled player, or a little bit more skilled player on that line, but when I heard Paul Maurice speak about Riley Nash and having him previously and how he really lauded him for his uh, defensive acumen and awareness, to me, the spider senses were tingling that maybe it's Riley Nash that could have the inside track on that Mason Appleton job uh, out of the gate. And again, I won't discount Jansen Harkins opportunity for that as well. But the one thing I will say, Harkins has not played a lot on the right-hand side and neither is Veselainen. He, he did a little bit last year, but he's been predominantly a left wing player who's a left shot 
a guy who has a big, you know, quick release and all of those things that we've seen at the American League level, and that he's going to have to take to that next level. But Svechnikov's, you know, he's a little bit more of a natural right winger, so he's used to playing that offside. So I would say that could give him a bit of a leg up potentially in that race. But Riley Nash, I would not discount. I mean, I know he's not going to put up the same kind of offensive numbers as those guys could potentially do. But I could see him being definitely very much in the mix uh, for that job and that role as well. You brought up Svechnikov because he, mm-hmm. to me, is one of the most interesting players coming into camp. Because, of course, he doesn't have a contract right now with the Winnipeg Jets. Now, I, I do believe, I think, because of the cap situation, and I'll get your take on this, that you know they signed the Moose deal first. He'll be at camp. And I would think that there would be an opportunity to sign him after the season begins, uh, which would allow them to work those cap numbers a little bit more and get Brian Little onto LTIR and get that out. Um, But what's at stake for him right now? And when you look at him, you saw him today, you can tell us how he looked. I mean, where, if he's on the Winnipeg Jets, where would the fit be for Svechnikov in the lineup if he's in it? Yeah, for sure, Hassan. And I do think it's just going to be a matter of time. I I do see a two-way contract coming for uh, Evgeny Svechnikov there as well. And, uh, in my reporting with uh, with Elliot Friedman there, I think that the the PTO has already, you know, he'll be at camp. And I think it's just a matter of nailing down the specifics here. And uh, obviously there was an injury situation that was, you know, he had had a sh- some, some issues with his shoulder cleaned up, I think, in the summertime. So uh, this was going to be around the time he was going to be ready. So I think there'll be a two-way deal coming uh, from the Winnipeg Jets as well. Uh, I mean, and again, these were they weren't running lines or whatever today, but. They had Svechnikov, Veselainen, and Perfetti sort of in a in a mixture on the on the on the groupings among the forwards. So I found that to be pretty interesting. Uh, could be a pretty interesting dynamic there as well. But yeah, for me, so Svechnikov could win a job on that third line right wing. Otherwise, he's got a battle for a fourth line job, and uh, that's another thing that Paul Maurice talked about. You know, you know, you're not going to necessarily see three grinders. Uh, on the fourth line this year. I mean, last year we know that uh, Matthew Perot, Nate Thompson and Trevor Lewis, when they were together had, you know, were very effective. Didn't give up much in terms of the five on five game in terms of goals against. Uh, But, you know, there were two penalty killers in that, in that grouping, but you know, now Riley Nash is a guy that's going to be one of those guys who fills in for Appleton Lewis and Thompson in that role. And I think Gustafson is another one, but Svechnikov has that ability to potentially be on a second power play unit because of his ability to shoot the puck. So he's either going to be a first line player with the Manitoba moose. And then, you know, he'll be a call up guy or else I really do think that he is in the mix for a roster spot, but again, he's going to have to have a great preseason. Uh, He's going to, you know, here's a guy who's getting a fresh start. He's, you know, 19th overall selection in the draft in uh, 2015, but we know the Jets had him on the radar before Kyle Connor fell to them at 17. So they have some familiarity with the player. They obviously liked him. We know he's had some junior hockey success in the queue with Pierre-Luc Dubois. I don't think he was brought in to play with Dubois. Dubois is going to have other line mates in the top six, but I think Svechnikov is, I think he's one of the most intriguing players to me in the entire training camp because of that high end potential. And it's like you mentioned it right now, it's a zero risk move. He doesn't even have an NHL deal, but I think that's just a matter of time. And here's a guy that, you know, would be very motivated to show that he's not only going to be an NHL player, but that he can become a regular and a contributor because, 
you know, that just didn't happen for him. He had some injuries in Detroit and things didn't go quite as smoothly, but uh, this is a guy that has a lot of high end potential. I mean, you don't get drafted 19th overall if you don't have a skill set that projects, you know, to be an NHL player. So uh, he'll be a guy that I could see him playing in, you know, four to six of the, you know, four or five of the preseason games. And it's going to get sorted out that way. And I mean, obviously, too, I mean, we talked about Perfetti. Perfetti is also a guy like could Cole Perfetti in his first full NHL training camp or first full pro camp of any kind be in that Mark Shifley 2011 situation? Right. I'm not going to say that he can't. Of course he can. I mean, but it's up to him to play the game. I mean, Cole Perfetti, like every other high end prospect, said his goal is to make the team. Of course, that's his goal. That has to be his goal or else you have zero chance of making the team. Um, Does he have a legitimate shot of making the Jets and sticking around beyond the nine games? Well, we don't know. I mean, I don't think Paul Maurice could tell you today. He doesn't want to go out and say, put him in pen today. Of course not. But if he has a training camp similar to what Shifley did in 2011, of course he's going to stick around to start the year and see what happens. But um, you can't, you know, can't put the cart before the, before, before the horse. I mean, we always want to look into the crystal ball and see what we project. And I think Cole Perfetti is getting games with the NHL team this year. Does that mean they're in October? Does that mean they're in February? I mean, Cole Perfetti will determine April when when Cole Perfetti is ready. And sure, I mean, Cole Caulfield was brought up as an example. And Paul Maurice was very quick to point out that, yes, Cole Caulfield did a great job with the Montreal Canadiens, but he's a year advanced. And that was at the end of a year. So you're basically looking at a two year difference in windows uh, when you're looking at October versus you know, coming in, in in April, May and having a big role in the playoffs with the Montreal Canadiens. So they're obviously different players, but they're they're dynamic in their own ways. And Cole Perfetti, the ability to have Cole Perfetti potentially play for the Manitoba Moose rather than go back to the Ontario Hockey League Total as a 19-year-old is game changer. absolutely a game changer. Like I, like, I don't know about you, Ken, but I mean, I really thought that if that rule wasn't, you know, wasn't instituted, I thought there was a good chance that he'd be on the team all year because I don't really know what the benefit would have been other than playing a lot, um, but in a league that he's already done very well in and has been playing at a much higher level. But now with the American Hockey League option just down the hall, uh, especially with the way he played in the second half of the season with the Manitoba Moose, it makes too much sense. I mean, unless there's a real need up front for the Winnipeg Jets due to injury or whatever, to very similarly to Billy Hanel and Dylan Samberg, to get down there to play 20-plus minutes a night, to play in all situations, and to be ready for what the role that they will need to fill when they get the call-up to the Winnipeg Jets. Because it's not going to be playing six minutes a night with a couple checkers on the fourth line. No, exactly. And I, like, I'll use the Nick Patan example uh, just because, you know, similar body type or Don't whatever else. Don't compare him to Patan. People are going to lose it. <laughs> no, I, this, I'm just saying here, I'm not comparing him to Patan, but I'm comparing the situations. And here's yeah. the thing. the One of the issues would happen with Patan is that because he's, you know, the Jets tried this experiment out where you have a skilled player, smallish skilled player on the fourth line where he would play in the second power play. But... The big difference was that when you start him there, instead of starting him in the minors where he plays the 20 minutes a game, gets all the puck touches, is on the first power play and feeling confident, when Nick Patan was playing six minutes a night, you didn't have that confidence, right? I mean, so the Jets don't want to run the risk of having Cole Perfetti on the fourth line playing six to eight minutes a night and not getting any puck touches. If Cole Perfetti can either, you know, whether they stretch out the top nine or if you even, I can even see a scenario where you played Perfetti with Lowry and Kopp. 
because of his elite hockey sense and awareness. So, I mean, no, he's not a defensive player, but he could play with those guys because he's smart enough to play with them. But I think the best, again, this Cole Perfetti is not going to want to hear this, nor does, nor should he be listening to it on, you know, September 16th. But I think he's in the chat right now, actually. What's that? He's in the chat right now, actually. He just wished you happy birthday. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> uh, this again, this is the benefit of experience having covered the American Hockey League for ten years, and now the Amer- now the National Hockey League for ten years. A guy in Cole Perfetti's situation, unless he's going to play ba- major minutes in the National Hockey League, he will be best suited for his long term development to be a twenty minute a game player with the Manitoba Moose, centering the top line, whoever that has on it. Um, again, he, I don't. I don't want that to be his mindset going into training camp, but I'm going to help look into the crystal ball for when the opening night roster is made. And, and Cole Perfetti may steal a job, but if he's not going to play a you know, significant number of minutes, the best place for him is in the American Hockey League, getting to a place where he dominates. And then it, when a need arises, he comes up and, and can s- slide right in, feeling confident. Let's not forget. Cole Perfetti came an incredible you know, amount of time in terms of his development last year. Uh, that is an opportunity that's not ne- not almost ever afforded to an 18-year-old individual. Certainly not a CHL player uh, would not be allowed to do he that. He won the but, pandemic. I mean, yeah, everyone else got screwed. Cole Perfetti was the one guy that absolutely benefited from the situation, and even more so now having that op- opportunity to play in the A as opposed to, if he's not going to be in the lineup, end up going to junior for the entire season. Absolutely, and and he knows exactly what he needs to get better at. That's the beauty of Cole Perfetti. He knows that in order to become an NHL regular and a top six player, which is what he projects to be and will be uh, in due time, has to work in his skating, getting stronger. But there's always that balance, that whole getting stronger versus you know keeping your speed and you know getting you know getting faster. Like it's not getting bulkier; it's getting faster and all those things, streamlining and everything else. But Perfetti is a guy who's who understands the situation, and he also understands the mentality that's required i mean even if in his own head he knows that maybe he's probably most likely going to be with the manitoba moose that's not the mentality you take into nhl camp you want to make it as difficult as possible for the coaching staff and the and the management staff to send him to junior if you're cole perfetti you're trying to steal a job and win a job and that's what he absolutely will be trying to do but to me i just think it's most likely that he will end up as a first line player with the Manitoba Moose at the outset. That doesn't mean that he's not ready to help you in February, March, April, May, or June, but it means that it's most likely. And the thing that the back to the original premise of Nick Patan, I think the problem with starting Patan in the NHL at that time was he felt he was an NHL player because he started the year in October in the NHL. So, you know, if you start in the American hockey league, of course, there's going to be disappointment at the beginning. Yes. You know, it sucks to be cut, whatever else. But if you start with that mentality and then all of a sudden you build, 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 and when you come up once, you may stay there forever. It's different than if you spend two or three months um, and then all of a sudden now you're sort of having to have that five to 10 day period where you're maybe feeling sorry for yourself that you're not in the NHL anymore. Cole Perfetti knows the American Hockey League is a good league. He just played in the American Hockey League and he played well, but it wasn't an easy, easy, it wasn't easy street for Cole Perfetti in the first half of the year. It was tough at five on five because he was undersized and he had to use all of his tools in the toolbox to have success. 
But because he's so smart and because he's so talented and because his vision allows other people to get to great spots, he went from being, you know, a guy who was kind of treading water in the first half at five on five to becoming a dominant player. I mean, is he going to win every board battle with a 240 pound defenseman? No, of course not. But he's smart enough to leverage a guy that he can win that battle once in a while and he'll continue to get good at those things. But to me, I just think it'll be super interesting. I mean, you know, Svechnikov, super intriguing to me. How Perfetti fits and, you know, does he get all six games? I think he's going to get four to six exhibition games. Paul Marie said it today. His veterans are going to spend the majority of their time scrimmaging. They're probably going to play in two of the three home games. Maybe they get that last road game against Calgary. Uh, but we'll see what happens in terms of the numbers game. But if you're if you're a guy on the periphery of the roster and you're trying to win a job, you're going to be playing four times minimum. And a lot of those guys are going to play all six. And that's what you want to see. Uh, how's it going to work out in the back end? I mean, Billy Hanela as a guy that, of course, he's one of those guys that I talk about. He, you, you have that setting like you have today. Billy Hanela is going to stand out every single time because of his mobility, even if you're just doing simple drills. But his his hand skills and his puck skills and his brain will always stand out. So, I mean, he me also the you, thing the thing one quick one. A, one okay. Just handle it. He doesn't look like a kid anymore, right? Two years ago, he looked like a guy, you know, and he was 18 when he first came in, right? Here's a guy who's starting to fill out. He's maturing. Uh, and again, he needs to dominate at the American League level, most likely. But, you know, is six games enough to steal a job on the NHL roster? Well, we'll see. If they're dominant, the Jets may have, have no choice. But right now, he would be in that Cole Perfetti category where he's going to have to be basically be head and shoulders above because you're not going to keep Billy Hanel as the seventh defenseman because he no. needs to be playing. So that's okay though. But I so think it's, it, it provides a super interesting opportunity. And then too, Dylan Sandberg speaking today. I mean, if you're Dylan Sandberg, uh, the arrival of Brennan Dillon isn't great for you because you went from potentially being Neil Pionk's defense partner to now being Billy Hanel's defense partner, or maybe you're playing him again with Johnny Kovacevic with the Manitoba Moose because they had such great success last year. But it's tough for a guy like Sandberg. But let's not forget, Huss, this is always the beauty. The beauty of the history lesson is always nearby. Not one single individual had Logan Stanley in the Game 2 lineup for the Winnipeg Jets last year, right? When we went into training camp in January, not one person, not even the staunchest Logan Stanley supporter had Logan Stanley in the lineup. He could potentially be on the team but it took a couple of injuries and a COVID bout for Tucker Pullman to get Logan Stanley into the lineup. But once he got into the lineup, he showed he was a lot further along than most people expected. So can Dylan Sandberg or Vili Hanela do that this October or September? Of course they could. Well, they can. But, but listen, I don't think that's going to happen. And I think right. we've got a pretty solid six. We pretty sure. much, you know, read the room, guys. I mean, and with the salaries, hey, you've got Bolio uh, and you've got Sammy Niku, who are probably best suited to be that extra guy. Meanwhile, with these young men playing the 20-plus minutes a night. But I'll ask you this, and I was going to get to this, but I'm glad you brought up Sandberg because he's part and parcel of it. I think Perfetti's a little different, but those two in particular, who I think many people agree are ready to go and could be contributing in the National Hockey League right now, is the biggest challenge going to be for the New Moose coaching staff and for the organization to keep these guys in good spirits and motivated going forward, considering the fact that it's pretty clear right now that the path to playing in the Jets lineup right now, if everyone's healthy, is a bit of a long shot. And that means back to the American League. 
Yeah, it's totally a fair point, Hassan. And, and that's the other part too. Like my 10 years of covering the American League were super valuable because y- you see the different, uh, you know, mentalities required, whether it was a first round pick getting sent down or it was an undrafted free agent, a guy like a Jason Jaffrey or, or someone like that who went, you know, went from East Coast League player to NHL player. Uh, of course, you know, would you rather be have, you know cashing an NHL paycheck and you know hanging out at the Ritz Carlton on your off days? Of course you would. Anyone would want that instead of riding around on the buses. Of course, but you got to focus on the you know that's short sighted view. The long view is that these guys are both going to be National Hockey League defensemen. Is it going to be in three months or six months or you know twelve months? I mean, I don't know that. Neither do they. But things happen quickly and one injury and those guys are ready, right? That's the other part. So you can't afford to go down and dog it in the American league because you're feeling sorry for yourself because you think you're a national hockey league player. And I don't think that either one of those players would do that. I think that both of them have very strong mentalities. I mean, was, was it last year tough on Billy Hanel? Of course it was, but he still played, I think around 50 games of hockey when you count all the experiences. So he still had a good year in terms of progress. Dylan Sandberg, is this the way he envisioned things after leaving as a junior from the university of Minnesota Duluth? Of course not. He thought he'd be in the NHL this year, most likely, but right now, that opportunity or that pathway seems to be a little bit, you know, if it's not blocked completely, there are some obstacles he's going to have to overcome in order to reach that goal immediately. But this is very simple, Huss. And again, the experience of covering the minors and you were around the minors for a long time in your job with the Manitoba Moose. Things change very quickly. And if you're not ready, somebody else is going to be ready to take that job. So I think that both these guys the best advice for any player in that situation, forward, defenseman, goaltender, anything. You always think you're ready. You know, same as coaching. You know, a lot of coaches in the American League thought they were ready to not only be NHL coaches, but be successful and dominant NHL coaches. Guess what? The best thing you can do for your life and your life career and your future success is to have success currently. Just be invested in wherever you are. Play the best hockey that you can. And guess what? When you're a dominant player, you get noticed and you get promoted. No matter how many people are ahead of you currently on the depth chart, it's just the way that it goes. I mean, we talked about Nick Batan earlier. Same goes for Kyle Connor. Did Kyle Connor want to be playing in the American League after leaving Michigan as a freshman? Of course not. But I would argue to you, Huss, that after watching Kyle Connor in the first two months of the year, nobody benefited more than Kyle Connor going down and dominating and becoming a 20-plus goal scorer at the Manitoba Moose at the American Hockey League level. Without that time, would yeah, Kyle those Connor Those guys still... had that time last year. I mean, I guess no, that's yeah. the point. Like, this is now round two for these guys um, after yeah, doing thing... all that. Connor had four games, and then he was back, and he never looked back, right? Right, for sure. But the other part too, like Sandberg is only one year removed from college. So, and then it was a shortened season. So I would say, I understand that you want to be there quickly. And he's not a young, you know, young, young guy, like coming out of, you know, 20 year old coming out of, coming out of junior. And Hanley, of course, it's frustrating. You played in league already. You probably, you know, you felt you're ready two years ago. Of course, you're going to feel like you're ready now. But the best thing you can do is dominate at whatever level you're at. And then your opportunity is going to come, whether it's through injury, trade, or whatever else. We know these guys are good players. We know that they are valued by the organization. And their opportunities are going to be right around the corner. Are they going to come as quickly as they had hoped they might? Uh, That doesn't look to be the case. But um, I don't think you'll see a lot of wallowing or self-pity from any of those three players that we talked about. And 
I think that they could be part of what could be a really, that's the other thing from watching today, the Manitoba moose last year, we're more of a, uh, you know, workman-like uh, work boots type of team that out, outworked and had great goaltending. They have a lot of skilled defensemen. They have some size, obviously, as well. Samberg being one of those guys who plays mean and has a physical edge to his game also. But uh, there are some talented people that are going to be playing for the Manitoba Moose as well. And uh, provided they get good goaltending, which we expect them to have with the groupings that they have. And there was the other part to me, Huss. I mean, man, you walk into the rink at the Iceplex today and you look at who's on the ice. You watch our, like Arvid Holm is a monster. Like he's like a six foot four. Uh, he looks like, you know, he takes up a lot of net. Like, of course, he's going to have to adapt to the North American game, but he's had two really solid seasons previously. So he's a guy that's going to be intriguing to watch. Is he going to be in the American League? Uh, I mean, with DeRoche being added, uh, man, I mean, could one of those guys end up in the East Coast League in the ECHL? I'm I'm not sure, but uh, they're going to yeah, be fun right. to watch. The, the, the moose the moose roster right now. I mean, if you're a fan of the moose and you know go to a lot of those games, I think we're going to see one of the best squad, maybe the best squad that we've had at least on paper um, since the moose came back Lock to up. Winnipeg. I'm looking at a few of the chats turd. Yeah, Connor did play a full season in the AHL, but then yeah, yeah, remember man. he got sent back down at the beginning of the next season. That was a big yeah, disappointment. Games, played yeah. four games, came up got thrown on the top line and never and never uh, never looked back um but ken just you first of all take a deep breath and hydrate because this next question could get you going <laughs> okay, for big a little while um as far as those players go considering the situation if things go well if this if let's just assume it's the top four it's Demello, it's stanley and those guys are relatively healthy and play well going forward and the jets are a playoff team that you know feel like they have a real shot to win what are the chances that one of those players, Hanela or Sandberg, in your mind, is traded before the end of the season? Yeah, it's interesting, Huss. Obviously, it's something that you, if, you're, if you're Kevin Chevala, if you got pretty be nice chip, pretty nice, you, you got to be to listening. Those are those are good things to have, and that because of the aforementioned depth on the back end that I've discussed, and you know, I didn't even mention Leon Gavanka, who's going to be playing in the Olympics for Germany. So he's a guy that you know. We often talk about you know the Jets' right side doesn't have the same. I mean, it doesn't have the same amount of depth at the NHL level, but you still have kind of some depth guys. And, you know, you have a Nelson Noje, you have a Johnny Kovacevic, you have a Leon Gavanka. Now you have a Simon Lundmark. I mean, I would say that if you're looking at your right side depth, that seems like pretty good depth. I mean, not in terms of NHL experience per se, but in terms of guys that you might be able to plug and play, or you could envision a spot for them to be playing in those jobs down the road. So could those guys be moved? I mean, of course they could, but I, I don't think that Kevin Sheveldayoff is on the phone saying, you know what, I'd really like to get rid of one of these guys right now. But I mean, if it if the Jets are, you know, one of the leading teams in the Central Division or in the Western Conference, and they they see an opportunity to add a player they think that could put them over the edge, would those guys be in play? Well, that depends on the level of player, but uh, I don't see. I, it's not a slam dunk that one or the other will be gone at the deadline for me, Huss. Oh, but yeah, of course, no. it, and I know you're not suggesting that, but what you are saying is exactly right. Of course, those are chips that could get you the type of player, you know, let's look no further than the 2017-18 season. I mean, would one of those players be in the, you know, kind of get you the type of Paul Stastny level player at 2018 to help try to push a team over the top? Of course. And there's going to be a lot of teams around the NHL whose budgets will be impacted by COVID. We know all 32 teams have been impacted by COVID, even Seattle, before even playing a game. 
whether that's off ice business, on ice business, trying to fill rinks, any of those things. Some budgets will be slashed. And when budgets are slashed, that means either expensive players or some really good players in that middle tier become available to other teams. So look no further than the Arizona Coyotes, right? I mean, they're, you know, Christian, you <laughs> to the Coyotes could be helped by Christian Dvorak. Of course they could. But if you're rebuilding and potentially tanking, of course you're going to take the draft picks and move Dvorak over to the Montreal Canadiens, right? So um, there will be teams like that and teams get off to slow starts. All of a sudden, certain players are loose and available. Paul Stastny, again, is a great example. No one thought Paul Stastny was available. The St. Louis Blues were a contending team. And Paul Stastny had been a guy who was part of their core leadership group. All of a sudden, he was available at the right price. So, of course... Uh, I mean, the cap situation is definitely fluid. I mean, we talked about it before, Huss. The Jets could be rolling with a 21 and 22 man roster. They're going to have to be hoping for a lot of health in order to leave some space available to even potentially make an impact move yeah. at the deadline because of their LTIR situation. But uh, of course, you know, that's the other part, Huss. You talked about it earlier. You can't be going down and pout if you're in the minors. If if you're not going to be on the Jets, if you're Vili Hanela you're auditioning for 31 other teams, right? Same for Dylan Sandberg. And that that's not the initial mindset, but anytime any player at the pro level steps on the ice, your first responsibility is to your own team. But if you're trying to change your situation, nobody wants to nobody wants to trade for somebody who is not in a good place mentally and yeah. isn't giving it everything that they have. We know those guys are skilled. We know that they're talented. We know they're going to be NHL players, but... Uh, the mental test is all often important as the physical side of things. And I think that all those players will flourish uh, even if those end up being their circumstances and circumstances that they would prefer to avoid. Well, and, and, and listen, it's not in the Jets MO to be trading top prospects before no. they get an opportunity in the NHL. But I, the reason I bring this up is that, you know, there is, I think, heightened expectations of what this club can do. You add in the things, the additions of Dylan and Schmidt, Along with I mean, your top five defensemen right now, all are signed for three more years. Yeah. I mean, if these guys are there and are in the lineup and Logan Stanley's part of it, I mean, at some point, something's got to give. And, you know, as I said, it just gets to the point where if this team is a contender and there is someone out there that, you know, they could add, um, as opposed to going down the first round pick route, I mean, you may have two NHL ready defensemen that could very well play in your lineup right now. But essentially, you can't play eight guys in a game. You can only play six. And uh, it, it's very interesting and such a different conversation we're having, Ken, as opposed to the last couple of years where people are wondering, you know, can they get six legit NHL defensemen in the lineup after the exodus from the right side a couple of years ago? Yeah, and that's the other part to really keep in consideration uh, for the fan base. Uh, you have to have guys like that in reserve that you can plug and play in case of injury, in case of, you know, especially now during a pandemic, in case of COVID, even if you know the majority of the Jets are already vaccinated. So COVID's not going away, and there are other situations and circumstances that arise. So you, any team that wants to win, you're going 8 to 10 deep on the back end. So if you have a couple NHL, you know, overbaked and ready players or over ripened players that are ready to go. You don't necessarily, you're not going to be handing those away uh, for anything. And you also remember for the Jets scenario, because those guys that you you mentioned Schmidt and Dylan are under contract for three and four years themselves. You need guys on ELC contracts to fill some of those other roster spots. So the value of that is immense for Kevin Sheveldayoff, who 
is already at a, as going to be a cap ceiling team once again. So uh, I think that, you know, even though the players might want to be in the NHL, those players are, are, are equally valuable within the organization for what they bring, both in terms of their skill sets and abilities, but also the contracts that they certainly are, they're currently under right now. So I, I don't see any of them, you know, going anywhere. I, I wouldn't say there's no chance they'll be moved, but uh, it would take a elite level player with term in order for those guys to kind of be in the deal. Cause let's just look back no further than last trade deadline when the jets were interested in the likes of Ekholm, Alexiak, Josh Manson, all of those guys. Of course, the G- other GM is asking for guys like, like we're talking about Hanel and Sandberg. But the Jets are were not in a, were not in a rush to move those guys then, and they won't be in a rush to move them now either. But of course, yeah. they have a little bit more flexibility, uh, having a you know full I mean, back end and defense core that is uh, you know revamped and 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 readily improved. Exactly. I mean, before Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt came to town, I mean, I think many of us thought that barring any other you know, changes that these guys would be in those spots. They're not there right now. And that's why it's such an interesting conversation to have right now. Man, we're just a day into minicamp and we're getting these sort of takes from you. you were all those all that time on the golf course. You were just sitting there coming up with takes for the first time return to Winnipeg Sports Talk. This was uh, this was a lot of fun, Ken. People were loving it. It was uh Long overdue, and uh, man, it's great to have uh, the team back, and it'll be really get interesting next year when uh, we've got the whole squad getting after it. And then, man, we got exhibition games in like ten days. Gotta love it, Huss. Always, always a pleasure to share the microphone uh, and the stage with you, and uh, we'll look forward to many of these conversations over the course of the season. Yeah, I, I, I saw that you were uh, out golfing with your partner Rennie there. What, uh, <laughs> what's the, uh, what's the ETA on uh, a little Kenny and Rennie content? What's going on? Give us an update. Yeah, we're still uh, we're still finalizing uh, all of those details, Huss. But uh, you're basically working on Randy to say, "Come on, let's go." It's quite obvious. That it's <laughs> eminently obvious that you're ready to go at any time. The mics are turned on. Yes, you know that is the case. But uh, no, Sean's ready to go. Also, we're just trying to work through some of the. You know, there's all kinds. You know, he's a he's a parent, so uh, he's got to uh, got to be worried about where the kids are at and everything else. But. Uh, the school pickups and the schedulings, but we're definitely uh, we're going to be piggybacking uh, your show again on a few uh, occasions for sure during the course of the year. And uh, it'll be a stay tuned situation, but uh, sooner than later, there's no doubt about that. Oh, my God. This has been so much fun. Uh, the people have loved it. Uh, some amazing, amazing comments in the chat. Yes, T. Will, you're right. I guess I do have to get back to work now. Here, uh, this was uh, this was awesome, pal. Uh, listen, stay in touch. Obviously, uh, when you guys know that uh, you're on, we'll let everybody know here. And uh, we'll get you guys on beforehand to, uh, to tee it up. And uh, hopefully we can do this on the reg coming up this season. Yeah, beautiful, man. Uh, have a great rest of the day, rest of the week. And we will uh, speak again soon. Excellent. Thanks so much. There he is. Weeb's World back on WST. What a great segment that was. And that's just the first day of minicamp for the Winnipeg Jets. Great thanks to uh, to Ken for doing it. Uh, man, I, I wish I had a cold little brown jug to give Ken right now. I mean, he could probably use some hydration in addition to the water bottle. Was Kenny's water bottle in the chat, by the way? We miss him. Um, the uh, great taste of little brown jug, Winnipeg's finest local beer available at local vendors and beer stores uh, throughout the city and province. But if you want to help support the pride movement, uh, they got the special pride cans on right now. $1 from each can goes to, I believe it's the rainbow foundation. You can get those at the tap room on William Avenue, or you can get them by ordering online at littlebrownjug.ca. And make sure you're following them on Instagram. Uh, A number of events coming up that little brown jugs involved in some of the things that they're supporting a great follow 
So uh, make sure you do that. And uh, next time you're out on town and you're looking for a cold one, give the Little Brown Jug a try. You will not be disappointed. And once again, a congratulations to Darren Dunn, Sherry, Sharon, and the entire gang out at Assiniboia Downs for a great season of live racing. Um, we uh, Remo and I were out last night, saw a few of you all. It was a great, great night. What they've gone through for the last couple of years has been an incredible, unprecedented challenge in the way that they've pivoted and uh, at moved the dates and worked with the online streams to uh, get the money coming in here to the province and to the track has been uh, commendable. Uh, it was a great way to finish it up last night. Congratulations to anyone that got in on those guaranteed pools. Again, if you uh, love betting on the horses, you can do it on HPI Bet throughout the year. And uh, we'll be back working with the Cinnaboya Downs again next season for another season of live racing. Uh, but it's open all year round. VLT is open at 9 a.m. And, of course, that Terrace Dining Room, an amazing spot to go for some high and eats. All right, let's get Remus back in here. Um, Re- Remo, how fired up was Ken to get back at it today, talking Jets? Oh my God, we got to have him on more often, Hus, because like he had all these thoughts like percolating for the last. It was month. a stream of consciousness. It was a it was a the stream of consciousness uh, interview. There was so there was so many things that he had pent up. Ready to get out. He, um, that was yeah. one of his all-time great appearances. On uh, the chat Park. was uh, on fire. <laughs> it's like, Hustler can't get a word in. Ken, what was the question again? Ken's been talking for five <laughs> minutes. He's got to be real thirsty after <laughs> after that one. Uh, I mean, it was, I love hearing Ken uh, talk hockey, but... Uh, you know, a lot of jokes. I think there were at least 20 happy birthday messages, like, right at the start, too. <laughs> I know. I mean... I uh, great running I, I, bit. And yeah, and I don't know if Ken had uh, new lighting today or, or what, but Ken's really up. I think he upped his stream game a yeah, little. He's joining from the us. Last he's time. now hashtag YouTuber. Swipe he's, up. Swipe Ken's up. entering pro uh, pro YouTuber territory here. So uh, I was going to text him, but yeah, great. He had a lot of thoughts. Clearly, that's been building up, and we'll have to have him on more regularly so uh, you can have a turn too, Hus. Someone well, he said it. after, it's great to share the mic with you, and someone commented and said, <laughs> "Share? Was there sharing?" going on listen i got plenty of time to chat we wanted to get ken and on here he was just phenomenal cannot wait to do that on the reg with kenny throughout the season and of course we'll look forward to when he and rennie get the knr show going and uh, i think as he mentioned um they had a lot of success sort of following us in the afternoon have a lot Mm -hmm. of people that are with us on winnipeg sports talk simply move right on over and get the guys at the start of their show so uh hopefully that'll be the case as well Oh, they are working on a few things. But um, needless to say, Jets content on the rise here on Winnipeg Sports Talk and here in the city, despite our beloved station no longer being in existence. Let's get to the cool bet lines. Big story right off the top of the show. If you joined us late, Trevor Harris out for the Edmonton Elks on the weekend. They're hosting the Bombers on Saturday night. Um, he's on the six game IR, which would mean that, you know, in all likelihood, he's not there for any of these bomber elk game, eight games that are coming up over the course of the next month. When we started the show, the line was Winnipeg minus six. It's now Winnipeg minus six and a half. Uh, the Edmonton Elks for their part, plus two thirty to win at home. And the bombers a massive money line favorite at minus two ninety four. Uh, some big that actually just since we've started the show, there's been some significant line movement. The Montreal Alouettes were originally one point favorites. Uh, somehow, Remus, this line has moved two and a half points since we've uh, just been talking to Ken Weep. It's BC now plus three and a half 
Montreal minus three and a half. I'm not sure. Obviously, we've been on the air. I'm not sure whether there's been some news. Of, what is Mike Riley out now too or something like that? I'm kind of surprised to see that move as quickly as it did. I haven't seen it. There does seem to be quarterback news on every team. Um, Hamilton going David Watford. Saskatchewan uh, starting Fajardo after he left the game from the Willie Jefferson hit. As we said, Edmonton uh, Tre- won't have Trevor Harris. So there is some movement. Uh, I don't BC's been good. I know Montreal um, was off last week, but with a healthy Mike Riley, he's, his arm looks fine. He even can you know run a little as well. They got some great receivers. I'm, I would probably lean BC there. And yeah, the bomber line was minus six. Um, when the Trevor Harris news came out, it's now six and a half, minus six and a half. See so, if that gets over, see if that gets over a touchdown. Some places and, had it minus four, us, uh, before. Really? I, yeah, to I me, saw. To me, honestly, I thought that made a bit more sense. I wasn't going to touch that game. I don't like going against the Bombers, but man, I'm, laying that many points on the roads a lot. Although now against a backup quarterback, maybe a bit of a different story. I, we were talking right off the bat, David Watford going for Hamilton. And I had jumped on that when I heard the news and got the money line for Calgary at plus 132. We clicked back to it. And for some, I think it may have been an error, to be perfectly honest. It went to plus 147, like in the last hour. We're back at it. Now this number makes a little bit more sense. Calgary's now down to a plus 115 uh, money line underdog. And they're getting two and a half points at Hamilton. I would expect that with the news on the on the QB front and considering the way Bo Levi and the Stamps played last week, I think we're going to probably look at about a pick em by the time that uh, that game goes off, despite it being in Hamilton. And uh, of course, Cody Fajardo is back, but so are a bunch of the top players on the Argos defense. Riders right now, just three-point favorites. That was three and a half earlier today. And the Argos plus 123 on the money line. Riders, Rider Nation, you just want to back your team to win, not worry about the point spread. Minus 152 is the line. So there are our CFL lines updated. We'll uh, take another look tomorrow. But Remo, we've got a kickoff tonight, week two of the National Football League. Folks, make sure your fantasy lineups are set. And if you're in a pool that does all those games, make sure you pick them. The Giants at the WFT. And the WFT right now, three and a half point favorites against Danny Dimes and the New York Giants. It's interesting. I bought that down to three earlier. Um, that option no longer there right now. So uh, I guess they don't want to be uh, hoping on any pushes. It's either three and a half at minus 1.104, or you can lay a big number minus 154 to buy the point and get it at minus two and a half. Um, I think this will be a close game, but I'll be honest. I'm high on Taylor Heineke. I'm not sure that this is a big, big drop-off going from Ryan Fitzmagic to Heineke. He was great in the playoffs last year, almost beat Tom Brady, a young, talented quarterback. And uh, listen, this team team is going to win and lose its games on the back of their defense, and their defense is one of the best in the league. So uh, I like the WFT tonight. How about you? Yeah, I agree. I like Washington. If you're looking for some props here, where's my uh, where's my receiving props? Do they take them off the board? I can't find them. Others? I don't see any of the receiving props. Uh, we might have to wait a little bit closer to game time to get they, these out. They had some earlier. I got in. I took the over on Terry McLaurin, like 70 yards. And I took the over, I think, on Antonio Gibson rushing yards, too. I'm pretty sure. But, yeah, they, they appear to be not on the board right now. So um, we will we will wait. You know, if you want a touchdown score, uh, I don't know. If you want to go with the receiver, what, Ken Galladay? I just remembered how Ken Galladay was on on the Giants. Um, you know, you see all this stuff off in the off season, you forget about it. I don't know. I don't know where I've been on that one. 
and he's probably wearing like number three or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that some... was the one thing that was so jarring on week one of the season. The amount of players that, you know, we're used to seeing number 82 or 88. That's all of a sudden number four. Like James Conner, the running back, was number six for Arizona. Um, like I'm totally fine with it. It just takes a bit to get used to. And you're wondering who these guys are and realize, oh, well, this guy's on my fantasy team. I'm just not used to seeing him look the way that he is. Some fun, some funny, <laughs> some funny thoughts. Uh, Todd Fratani saying prediction for tonight's NFL game. I do like Washington. Uh, I'm going to lay the three points. I'm taking the, I'm taking WFT. Uh, but the Gitch is in the house. He says my bet on the over and the Bombers Elks game now looks a bit suspect. Um, Crispy Critter says, hedge it back, Sean, uh, to which the Gitch replied, hedging is for gardeners, one of the great gambling lines out there, although uh, you might be able to make it happen. Um, anyways, uh, looking forward to this game tonight and uh, tomorrow, man, Remus, we're going to have an awesome show tomorrow. Um, we are going to kick it off with John Hodge, uh, his thoughts on the week in the Canadian Football League and specifically setting up the Bombers-Elks game on Saturday night. Jamie Thomas from Jets TV is going to join us for a little bit. We'll talk about uh, the latest, what he's been seeing at minicamp, talk about some of the uh, stories and players that we hit today with Ken Weeb that are getting their chance to show what they can do before main camp. Uh, and then we're back into NFL season. So uh, I think we'll squeeze a little bit of hacksaw time as well in the second hour of the show tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Yeah, lots lots of good. Tomorrow's going to be very packed. John Hodge, always like what he has to say with the Bombers. I think, are we still waiting to see like who their kicker is going to be for Edmonton? I don't think they've really come out with a depth chart yet. I, I haven't really looked no, too closely. No, the, de- the depth chart will come out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, so, I mean, it always comes out the day uh, the day before the game. So, like, uh, we'll, are they we'll rocking, wait to see that. Are they rocking Legio again, or is it going to be new guy? One more one more chance, I guess, for uh, for legs. Uh, and again, it hasn't bit them so far. I mean, they've been winning by considerable mm-hmm. margins. But at a certain point, uh, these points are going to be very, very costly or very, very valuable one side or the other. I mean, unrealistic to think that they'll be holding teams under 10 points all year. And at a certain point in the three-down game, you better be making sure you make your kicks. And that being said, we've been so spoiled by the greatness of Justin Medlock since he came. One of the low-key great signings of the Kyle Walters era um, that almost overnight solved a pretty significant problem for the Bombers that, you know, was the difference between a win and a loss on a, on a few occasions. Um, so the bar is set pretty darn high, uh, but it wasn't close to that bar in the uh, Banjo Bowl going forward. So that really may be the only significant story or significant concern of Winnipeg Blue Bomber fans. But let's face it, this team right now is the envy of the rest of the Canadian Football League. And, you know, with a little bit of, I mean, unfortunate fortune for the Elks losing Trevor Harris. I mean, as we said off the top of the show, I mean, you win this game and, you know, continue to beat the Elks without their number one quarterback over the course of this next month. And I mean, we literally could be talking about a home playoff game and booking and selling tickets, you know, in about a month. Yeah, start stocking up on like foot warmers, eh, us? And warm warm clothes. We're talking about it, what, East Final and, or sorry, West Final in December, is it? Yeah, just, and the I'm, Grey yeah. Cup on, what, the 14th of December, I think? I, I'm Ooh. just remembering. I think I went to, it might have been an East Final, like 2011, at the uh, old stadium. Coldest game I, ever. Chris I, Garrett ran all over Hamilton. That was the swag team. I froze, like, I froze my ass off at that game. But uh, it was worth it. It was worth it. So I would definitely do it again. Give me the tickets for the cold games. You know it's what? It's like I a badge of honor. What? I need like I a, rem- a patch. I was at I was at a game <laughs> that was minus that was minus thirty. Yeah, minus thirty. 
I remember that game so vividly. We had a wicked tailgate outside, and um, Chowdog had the, the the actual fryer, like did the full fryer. He was making like yeah. egg McMuffins and hash browns and stuff, which was great. And then we got in, and I remember grabbing a couple beers. I was in the upper deck in the first row, mm-hmm. and I put them down on the on the concrete, and I grabbed one to drink. I looked at the other one, completely frozen at the top. It yeah. was that cold outside. And I remember sending a picture to Gary Lawless and Bruce yeah. Arthur that they were in the press box on the other yeah. side. And Bruce tweeted it out going, this is what people in Winnipeg are dealing with right now. These people are nuts or maybe devoted, whatever. That was the Chris Garrett game, though. Uh, it was all defense and the running game. And, you know, unfortunately, they weren't able to get it done in 2011. But all of that is ancient history after what the team did in 2019. And I got to tell you, Reem, the way things are looking right now, um, you know, the Bombers are a clear Grey Cup favorite right now. Um, you know, they sort of have this door open. And again, you don't want to give them wins over Edmonton because they are a good team. You know, we'll see what their backup quarterback can do. Uh, but as I said, I mean, the Bombers could be in a situation where they're essentially playing out the stretch, waiting to see who that first round opponent will be. Um, and that'll be a good thing because, again, what you want is your team to be playing well, but mostly to be healthy when it comes. Um, of course, Saturday night is the night for the Bombers and Elks this evening, the final game of CFL action on this week's slate. So yeah, tomorrow, big show. We will have John Hodge setting up Bombers Elks and uh, on all the latest in the Canadian Football League. We'll get a Jets minicamp update with Jamie Thomas, and then we'll uh, kick around week two in the National Football League with uh, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Um, and who knows, Rios, maybe we'll get some more interesting tidbits from uh, these player interviews that are yeah. happening out in uh, in Chicago right now. Uh, I did see uh, you made a note in the notes that uh, Nathan McKinnon wanted to assure people that he is, in fact, a regular guy after the reports of uh, his diet and uh, some of the things that he goes through to make himself as good as he is in the summer. Here, this is from Stephen Wino. I needed to bring this up. Nathan McKinnon says he's not always a health nut and sometimes goes to in and out after games. I'm a regular guy. I'm not crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Wants everyone to know occasionally he has in and out, in and out burger. So I know uh, Matt Calvert was on saying, you know, they went to a bar and he, you know, he got a regular burger. Everyone else was getting turkey burger, no bun. Nathan McKinnon wants everyone to know, hey, guys, I eat burgers, too. Sounds like a guy, uh, I don't know, sounds like a PR campaign. There's Nathan McKinnon, well-dressed. Just making sure sure people know that he is all good. You know what? Hey, I'll let people know. If you're listening on the podcast uh, or if you're in the YouTube and you missed the Matt Calvert interview, it just you brought it up right now. That yeah. is honestly one of the best, f- most fun interviews we have done um, since Winnipeg Sports Talk started. Check out the YouTube channel um, in the videos. The Matt Calvert interview is absolutely must listen if you didn't hear it before, and uh, we'll certainly be knocking on Matt's door now that he's retired uh, to come on as well as we get closer yeah. to the season. One other, speaking of interviews, and again, I really haven't had time to listen to this because it broke while we've been on the air. Um, but front page of TSN is uh, our old pal Evander. And uh, Evander says that he never bet on hockey, but does admit to a gambling problem. He uh, went into a pretty extensive interview with ESPN's Linda Cohn, um, saying it's a, it was a big part of my life for quite a number of years. Kane uh, said of his gambling, but noted that he has never bet on his own games. 
Quote, it's something I would say I definitely had a problem with at certain points throughout those years, at certain times more than others. He cites a playoff game. I think this was sort of the infamous one where he racked up a, a big number on the wrong side of the ledger with the casino the night before the um, game four loss in the Western Conference playoffs to the San Jose, uh, to the Vegas Golden Knights when he was playing for San Jose. Uh, so anyways, you can check that out. We'll probably talk about it a little bit more tomorrow, but it's all right up there on the front page of tsn.ca. And, uh, you know, the resolution of this situation, Remo, is going to be one of the very interesting um, topics that we'll be hearing as we get into training camp because uh, not only there's two things when it comes to Evander. Number one, you know, will he be suspended? I mean, if there's any indication that he ever bet on his own games, he's pretty much done, at least for a life. I mean, I don't know whether it would be a lifetime ban, but it could be. You could pretty much write off this season. But even if he skates on all those uh, charges from his wife or soon-to-be ex-wife, the other story is the fact that the Sharks don't want him on their team. And this is a guy that's coming off a career season. I mean, he really did play his ass off last year, and he was really good. Uh, But from everything that we're hearing out of San Jose, uh, the rest of the team absolutely can't stand the guy and uh, have asked management you know, to not have him there. And let's face it, with all the baggage that he's carrying around right now, I can't imagine that there's any takers in the National Hockey League for his contract and everything that Evander brings with him in addition to what he can do on the ice, which was pretty damn good last year. Yeah, he was really good. I had him in uh, in fantasy in my season long. He was always a good uh, DraftKings play because he shoots from everywhere and there's shots, uh, bonuses for uh, shots on goal. Um, <laughs> shoots we... from the dressing room. yeah. <laughs> So I mean, uh, you know, you know, your first step, uh, you know, to getting over a problem is admitting you have one. So there he is, and you know, I feel for um, his young daughter for sure. And it's, it was just a really messy situation. That, um, and you, you hope he can recover from this, but it seems like he's got a lot of a lot of problems, you know, financially, and you know, with being in bankruptcy and personally having a gambling problem, which is you know, hurting his family. So. I don't know. You you hope the best for the guy, but it seems like he um, seems to be, you know, it's like Sideshow Bob where he steps on all the rakes. It's uh, one after another here for him, and maybe some of them are self-inflicted. Yeah, no, absolutely on that. All right, well, listen, a great show today. Huge thanks to uh, Keegan Matheson for that great J segment we had earlier on, and then uh, Kenny Weave, who was absolutely wound up today on the program. What a, what a great Jet segment. Uh, that's just the tip of the iceberg for our Jets conversations that uh, pretty much will now be happening on a daily basis. Now that we got the team back in town, heading into training camp next week. Um, as always, big thanks to our sponsors, Manitoba battery, check them out online at manitobabattery.com. Our friends over at Royal sports, big tent sale this weekend. If you like great deals, you're going to want to get down to Royal Saturday and Sunday. Um, you know, find out more on their Instagram page at Royal Sports Pemina. But anyone that's been to the Royal Tent Sales before knows what's going on. They've been waiting for two years for this. So it's going to be big. Uh, Canadian Club, enjoy one tonight. The Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, our friends at Little Brown Jug Brewing, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Band Country Club, and of course, Cool Bet Canada. Oh, and I should give a shout out to our friends at Aikens Lake. Final weekend, closing up, and uh, actually Chow and a few of my buddies are out there. It'll be the last guys. We were the first guys in Big Molly's when the restrictions opened, and they will close it down. Uh, but a big shout-out to them and uh, Pitt and the whole gang at Aikens Lake. You find out more, maybe plan for next season. Check them out online at AikensLake.com. 
All right, folks, for Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Have yourself a great night. Enjoy the football game this evening. Big show tomorrow. John Hodge on the CFL, Jamie Thomas on Jets Camp, Hacksaw on the National Football League, and we'll be live with you tomorrow, kicking off your weekend at 1 o'clock right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great night. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.